The D and Davis Show. D and Davis's show. We are back. It is a Wednesday, particularly for you, as long as Ryan gets his out. Uh, we're having a good time. We got a lot of things going on. We have Demons is going to be on Sports Feed this Sunday, so make sure you tune in at six p.m. Yes, yes. Uh, check that out. We were just on six seventy of the score. This past Sunday night, going into Monday morning, doing five hours, sitting in for Les Grobstein. Shout out to Mitch. Yes, yes. Uh, we got to talk a lot of baseball. Uh, only then only had a couple interviews. Shout out to Josh Fryman and also our main man, uh, Eric Edholm, for always holding us down. Yes, On yes. today's show, the people that are going to hold us down are one, Lester A. Whitlong, editor-in-chief of Windy City Gridiron. Going to break down a little Bears and NFL football, and then... Later on the show, we're going to have Russell Dorsey, reporter from MLB.com, out here in Chicago to come on and talk some Cubs and some Sox as the Sox get out of that slump and the Cubs figure out what they're going to do. Uh, just a few days ago, we were talking to just need a lefty, and now it looks like they need a whole new bullpen. My name is Kenneth Davidson. The next voice you hear is D. Demond Spurl. What's going on, everybody? Hey, make sure you follow us on Twitter. And Instagram at D and Davis Show. Once again, it's at D and Davis Show. We're on Facebook.com forward slash D and Davis Show. iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Music, Stitcher, the TuneIn app. War on Anchor, which kicks you over to Spotify and YouTube. You can find us all those places and other places as well. You know what I'm saying? We everywhere. Download, subscribe, rate, share, all that good stuff. All right. I'm on Twitter at Demons1, D-E-M-O-N-Z-E-1. Ken is on Twitter at That's Davis, executive producer of the Dean Davis Show and Dean Davis the Flip. One Mr. Ryan Bukovetsky. Ryan's on Twitter at Ryan B. Ski. And we have our main man Guy back in the building. What? You can find Guy on Twitter at Pay the Guy. Pay the Guy. Pay the Guy. Give him that I told him he was walking up. I could see the waves a mile away. Seasick. We're not that far from the lake, but it seems like we was on the ocean. <laughs> Meryl was like floating right here for a second. Like, Whoa. I know we're on the other side of Stony Island. For anybody who doesn't know, they call it Stony Island because this used to be the lake. And uh-huh. Guy brought the lake back. <laughs> And, and God just knocked my microphone down. The waves did Waves that. are just tall in order. <laughs> damn, God, hold him down. Hold him down, God. Listen, it's the 10-year <laughs> anniversary of one of the best days in Sox history. Well, my favorite Sox pitcher, Mark Burley, with his perfect game. Uh, listen, man, I remember that game. I remember being just so happy to see when it. We, did we watch it together? We may have. Yeah, we, we saw it at work. I feel like we were. Yeah, we was together when it's, we saw that. It, it just, that, for that, that's kind of like, I guess maybe not, it's either or, but that has to be, was 2019, so no, no, this is that's the last great thing from that Sox era. Nah, didn't Burley, didn't Burley throw the no-hitter after that? It's a perfect game. He did, but it's a perfect game. Like a no, and at that time, we kind of got used to no-hitters not being special anymore. Wait a minute, then um, Hummer? Let Somebody me. else do a perfect game in Seattle. Again, I'm talking about guys from the World <laughs> Series championship. I'm talking Just about you all the good stuff. that era. And uh, who who did it? Do we care about him? No, we don't. Let me go to the Google machine. All right. So it was just it was definitely a a, a, a great game. Burley pulled it off. It's a guy that works fast, lefty, but doesn't have a lot of heat when he's throwing. And people comped him to Greg Maddox a lot. Uh, again, my favorite Sox pitcher. I remember initially when he came up, it was always the thought that he wanted to go back to St. Louis, and then he resigned. And then at the end, when it seemed like he was going to get traded in a matter of days, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf broke his own rules and signed a pitcher to more more years than usual. And Burley stayed. So when Burley ended up leaving and going down there with the Marlins with Ozzy, it didn't hurt. 
because yeah. he was a proven Sox commodity and he gave us also. And he loves dogs and hates Mike Vick. I don't hate Mike Vick. But I kind of I forget about that. He did have a lot of disdain for Mike Vick. Did the Marlins thing with the White Sox ex personnel going there? Did that not really hurt that much because it just flamed out right from the start? It well, did. we knew for years that Ozzy was going to go down there for at least for two yeah. years. The thing was initially we thought that we could get Mike Stanton in a trade for Ozzy. Mm. That's what that was one of the rumors about a year and a half before Ozzy got there. It was like, what if we just trade Ozzy and bring this is before he was Giancarlo Stanton. He was Mike Stanton. Mike Stanton. If this think about those those uh strikeouts and hummers we could have had on the south side. Mm. Ooh. With that strong chin. With that small park. Ooh. And Philip Hummer is the uh Humber is the White Sox. Keep saying his name, do you get it? April 21st, 2012, was against the Seattle Marlins. Guess who doesn't? An early one. Mm-hmm. I missed that, that game. That must have been first of the year, I'm guessing. It was, uh, yeah, it was early. I forget where I was. I was out somewhere, and I was like, damn, it's right. The White Sox are playing. And I look up like, perfect game. What? So, Ken, it has been other perfect games. Then again, I know what you're talking about. I'm just messing with you. I know you are. <laughs> All right, listen, let's go to the other side of town because it actually matters. Up on the north side, we'll get to the south side. The only guy that may get traded on the south side is Comley. Uh, perhaps Garcia may get traded and a couple other guys. But when you're looking at, or not even traded, but additions, some of the rumor mills going around with the Cubs, you have the Cubs are interested in the Diamondbacks outfielder, Jared Dyson. This reported from Patrick mm-hmm. Muni and a friend of the show, Shahib Sharma of The Athletic. Uh, they like the skill set in the past and have been looking for the outfielder. Outfield help. 34-year-old Dyson has a career-high six home runs this season. Oh, no. <laughs> and Almora has been the least productive hitter in baseball the last two years. Damn. He's been terrible. That is ridiculous. Shawty should just really be a utility guy. He should sure. be in the minors. He shouldn't even be in the minors. What's he going to do in the minors, though? He's the kid. Trying to get his bat right. It's never going to work. It's never going to work. Well, you have stories of guys going back down and finding their, uh, finding their swing and coming back up and being productive uh, utility players. He's not even a good utility player. He's a cheerleader right now. Well, I mean, he's a great defensive player. Yeah, yeah. Brian, he's your team. He's a great defensive player. Yeah, Yeah, Almora, he's a terrific defensive player. And I guess maybe against lefties, he's valuable with that right handed bat, but not if he can't hit. Yeah. That's a problem. to stand there. So he can hit. He just, he's not very patient at the plate. His power uh, comes and goes. Sometimes you see it. You know what this sounds like? Someone who can't hit. Yeah, I'm not going to defend him at the plate. Least productive outfielder last two seasons, and you telling me he'd flick out lefties? What's his What's his average again, Ken? Trash. <laughs> it is trash. He's <laughs> above the Mendoza line. It's not worth me even trying. He's to over do. 200 though, right? I have no interest in. He sucks. All right. In addition, we've talked about this on 670 score. Nicholas Castellano from uh, the Tigers has been mentioned. We had, what was that, Tony that called up, told us she's in Michigan from Chicago and yep. was like, Shout out to Tony. his glove is trash. <laughs> they just want his bat, baby. <laughs> right? That's, that's all they really need. And also, there's a chance they could be going after Shane Green and putting him in the bullpen. I think, I believe he has a year of control. Maybe not. I have to go back and check. So this is a couple of players. Also, uh, Blue Jays infielder Eric Sigard has also been mentioned. So you got a lot. My only thing is now looking at the fact that Pedro Strope struggled uh, yesterday. Yeah. You look at the fact that Carl Edwards Jr. was 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 sent down. Yeah. I mean, now you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. 
Now, you, you, I mean, again, when we started that show off, we were just talking about going after the lefties from the Giants. And I mean, again, you still want to solidify yourself with the left hand in the bullpen. But now what about the righties that the guys that you're depending on with the heat that haven't been performing? Uh, Carl Edwards Jr. performed very well when he was sent down. But coming back up, I think he's he's not that far from a, a six ERA. I think it's all mental right now for Carl. You definitely will go down. You take on a lesser competition. Uh, and you do, you go down and you go down there and you succeed, but when you come back up and you struggle, it seems to be a mental yeah. Some it's, it's a mental hump he has to get over. And Joe and Joe Madden said that he said, "Man, he just needs to relax." And that's it. it, it that could very well just be it. He's probably so much in his head. It's kind of like I have to do this. I have to be productive. I have to do this. I don't want to go back down. They're gonna send me back down, man. That 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 affects you. That definitely affects you in your everyday life, and they also affect you in your personal life. And it's doing right now to CJ in his personal life. Is it time for a change of scenery? Yeah, that could possibly be it too. I mean, listen, you was part of a World Series championship team that broke a curse for a hundred and was it a hundred and three years, one hundred and seven years, over a hundred years, put it like that, right? And you was an integral part to that. And after that, which a lot of those younger players have, it has happened to besides uh, Bryant and Javi, they hit their peak way too early. And now they kind of plateaued and is not good. It's good enough for the, it's good enough for the division. It's good enough to compete in the division. But beyond that, that's really it. And I'm sure it's probably eating them up. I mean, you was a toast of the town, CJ, a brother. Future closer. Future closer, and now you're struggling? So, yeah, maybe a change of scenery will help. Yeah, maybe it's time to get out of Chicago. I think it's also, too, what's the value of a lot of these Cubs players like Elmora, CJ Edwards? Because we don't think that they're very high commodities, and they're really not. So, can you even really pull off any kind of deal with them? How much do they limit? Is not it just really. purely a dump? I'm not talking about a deal. I'm, I'm really trying to look out for him at this point. There's a question. There's a, there's a, a thing to it, though. CJ still probably with some general managers may have upside. That doesn't mean they're going to give you back something sweet, mm-hmm. but you may get a guy that is the same that has upside that maybe you can figure out because still he has the stuff. And as we mentioned, he was looked at and projected to be the future closer. It's still not like, I mean, up here it hasn't been the same, but again, in the minors, he was doing well. So for him, you may be able to get a little something. Or again, we talked about packing. Like he could be the added incentive into acquire these guys, not the major piece, mm-hmm. but he may be the third piece where it's like, all right. The kicker. Yeah, I'll give his Cassiano. You give me him, especially if this is talking about look at Detroit. If you're talking about trading Shane Green, you're talking about trading the outfielder, who are they going to trade here? We've, we've talked about, we just talked about uh, uh, Albert Almora. You know, and then again, that you probably have to send him three things at least for guys that are under control. But these are the guys that if a Another team may just see a spark or not even a spark control and a body like people do make trades like that just to have a guy that, you know what, we need some depth. Maybe we can do something with him. But even we'll if try we don't, to figure him out. Yeah, if we don't figure him out still, that's innings right there or at bats that we can get. And we don't have to worry about that moving forward. I'm clear. Right. The one other thing, too, with the Cubs, though, is, OK, you can lose Almora, but then you got to think about down the line, they don't have a ton of outfielders mm-hmm. in general, and losing a really good glove could mm-hmm. be really valuable, especially late in games when your bullpen is already not Great solidified. Point. So going out and get someone, yeah, you want to do that, but you got to be wary of your roster because you don't have that depth that you used to have. So you wouldn't trade for an outfield? So again, a hitter with this a bad defender, you wouldn't make that deal just to keep? No, I, I would, st- like Castellanos is very interesting to me and I would want him because they need a solid bat in the lineup. Where I would get maybe hesitant is, let's say you're giving away Almora, Robel, a couple other guys, Schwarber, and then it's like, 
Where's the depth at if anybody goes down? You keep also, too. Hey, how many home runs has he got? Wait a minute. Oh, hold on. But also, too. <laughs> how many home runs has he got? Defense is what wins you championships. And you're telling me right now that Elmora is a is a, is a a plus in the field. Oh, yeah. And, and especially you, if you lost Hayward for any amount of time. Right. So that's why, you know, he's actually batting fifth tonight in the lineup. Abbott Elmore. What does that mean? No, I'm just listen. I don't, I don't know if Joe <laughs> is trying. I don't know if the, I don't know if Joe is this trying is to match spark up. something. That's just but matchups. That's I mean, matchups. but whatever it is, you. What's his bad number since you asked it earlier? It's two thirty nine. So he's not. He's, he has nine home runs, sixty seven hits. Uh, his ob his o, uh, OB, obp is two seventy five. Slug is three eighty two. OPS is six fifty seven. Yeah, I think average is seven hundred or seven fifty for mm-hmm. an average MOB player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's trash. No, he's not good. Yeah. But remember, remember, pitching and defense is what is what win you games. Go back to the perfect game, Mark Beverly. You know who saved him? A brother, Dwayne Wise. Okay, but you know, look what? at that catch. It's guess called they, the catch. Guess what they you did in the playoffs? Defense. Guess what they did in the playoffs? Oh, nothing. nothing. Okay, then. So nothing at all. Miss me with all that mishmash. I'm just trying to say, you need defense to win. Dean Davis show sitting here talking a little bit of Cubs baseball. I uh, definitely want to get into a little football since we have. Uh, uh, Lester Whitlong joining us. Uh, a little bit talking about this Bears upcoming season, but also discussion around the league, and we'll get back to this later on the show. You had OBJ talking about the Giants did me wrong, and I was the damn show. He said you bad boys is five and eleven and still on national TV. He was the only reason why I even might watch though. Well, no. And then, then Barkley came. Eastern Coast bias always is going to provide you with that yeah, too. He pretty, almost retired. Dude, he's a pretty talented guy. I'm not saying that, but dude, I think people came to watch him. ESPN opens up with Giants. It has nothing to do. Look, they're talking about the Giants now. He's not there. They're talking about a quarterback they shouldn't have drafted as high. The Giants are their team on the East Coast, so they're going to be big even with him, even without him. Yeah, they're the New York team. Yeah, so that's. I mean, but you, I think, I think it's a little bit of something to both. I'm not saying, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But it's a little bit. He definitely aided them, but they're going. That is the. That's not just. That's the state's team. That's the the team around that area. So we already seen the biases plenty of times. I used to talk about get up all last year. Like that team sucks. Why are they open up talking about the Giants? Because they in New York. Exactly. So that still to this point they're still going to be followed tremendously uh he did help benefit them but they are the giants and they also let's not forget provided him with a platform he would not be as big as he is if he did not get drafted Mm -hmm. and start off in new york like that that's what we used to talk about we used to debate and i used to tell you that he would man imagine if antonio brown would have played there all these years that he had played in pittsburgh he would be even as big as antonio brown and even as as a very uh Big franchise as the Pittsburgh Steelers that yeah, are huge across still, the country. It would be, it would be, it would be, man, it'd be more fans, the Giants or the Steelers? Steelers, because they got the uh, yeah. national following from winning all those. Six. So, plan, so it's Antonio, close though. So it's plan, So Antonio Brown playing in Pittsburgh is still no, 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 no. no. That's you about, but you talking about media wise? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm not talking about fans. I'm talking about media following. It's not. It's definitely is going to be the Giants. But when we're talking about the the teams that fans travel, and look, we may be saying that that may not even be true. And we talk about the amount of people that have moved across the country from New York compared to just Pittsburgh or whatever. If we yeah. really could get to the numbers and, and then find out about it. So. Pittsburgh isn't that much of a, I wouldn't think I've never been there before. I've been through it, but I've never been there before. Doesn't seem as a transplant kind of a town. Good point. It probably seems like one of those. Like, for the most part, Chicago is not a transplant. No, city. It's, a, it's just a big trend. No, 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 no. For a certain part of the town. But I mean, that's still. Majority of the town is people who still are here. Chicago, I always look at Chicago as kind of like a, a huge, small town. The south side and the west side 
And well, predominantly can't some the, can't say the West Side like that. Why? Why not? Because I mean, you think there's a lot of trans people living on the West Side? The West Side isn't as big. It's black. The black West Side isn't as vast as what it was. It's like, it's, a, it's very. It's uh, been chipped off Latino? the last twenty years. Not even. I mean, just from I know from you the projects. You about the West Loop? Are you? No, I'm talking about the projects that have been torn down. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And those yeah. areas where have, have been condos and like no, it's not the same demographic as what it used to be out out west. Mm. I mean, so of course the South Side is one thing, but Chicago. Chicago is full of people coming Which, from all around the country. No, you it's not do. about where they're staying. It's do they come to the they, city? Oh, no. People do come here. Yes, you will find people. I think a lot of people we work with when we was together to 9 to 5 and uh, you're still there and I'm in my new place. I find a lot of people, younger people that come here and yeah, they're not from Chicago. But a, lot, but a lot of people are born and raised and they don't leave and they stay here in Chicago. So, I don't know. It's what it is. With it. But Pittsburgh, you know, uh, it's a great city I heard. I don't know if I've heard that. Yeah. I, mean, I want to see uh, where PNC are you Park, going with though. that? I heard, I heard Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh is a place. Well, yeah, we said that before. PNC is definitely one of the places that I want to be. Yeah, I heard it's one of the best uh, uh, baseball stadiums in the country. It's so picturesque. So, all right, we're going to continue the football talk, but dive first into a little Bears discussion with the editor in chief of Windy City Gridiron, Lester A. Wiltfong, joining us, Dean Davis. Hey, this is Rich Campbell from the Chicago Tribune, and you're listening to the Dean Davis Show. D.N. Davidson on the line right now, editor-in-chief of Windy City Gridiron, Lester A. Wiltfong Jr. is joining us. And also make sure you check out the T-Formation Conversation podcast where he's breaking down that football. How you doing, Uh man? Doing good, fellas. How y'all doing? We're doing real good, real good. Listen, I'm going to go straight to the defense first. I want to do a little offensive line TE talk, I mean TE talk, but I got one for you. How much of the defense is going to run through as as far as the play call this season uh, through uh, Roquan Smith? I I know last – I didn't hear you. I mean, that, that's the plan, right? I mean, he was the, uh, that, that, that's what he did in college. And that's what the bears drafted him for to be the leader of that defense. So I think, I think Teresa may have the green dot in his helmet, but it's just a matter of time. So Rokan is, is, uh, is running the show. From the beginning of the season, well, not even from the beginning of the season, from the middle of the season to the end of the season, what type of gains did you see for him compared to when he had started the season? We all know he missed training camp. So he was behind the eight ball. You know, it was crazy because a lot of times with rookies, they come in and, and you can just see that they're just not up to speed as far as physically because they just look slower. With Roquan, he had the speed from day one because that's what that's what he had come out of college. So he was playing fast from the start. The thing is, as the season wore on, his speed and athleticism was more controlled. So what he was seeing in front of him, he understood a lot more. When he was just starting off, of course, the game was, was brand new to him as far as the, the NFL level. The speed was there, but he just his recognition of plays wasn't as, as, as crisp. And as he learned and, and grew in that defense, the game slowed down for him. And you could see that on film. Let me ask you this. We've heard the kudos that have gone with, with Leonard Floyd, and it still kind of goes with Roquan. I do believe that it, it'll be hard for them to get as many turnovers. I mean, it can go up and down. We were talking to Eric at home this weekend, and he said the same thing. So if the turnovers are going down, how much more of a higher end of play can you get from the young player so that even though you're not getting the turnovers, you're standing strong and you're not as much bend, don't break. You're much more solid defense moving forward. You know, the turnovers, it's one of those things where you can't quantify it. I mean, it's one of the things that's, it's, it's, there's a lot of luck to it. But with, with Chuck McGowan calling the defense, one thing he does bring to the table, he is a little more aggressive. 
Now he's not going to do a bunch of uh, of huge blitzes where he's bring, bringing you know uh, uh, six seven guys, but he'll blitz guys in a creative manner to cause different types of pressure than what Fangio got. With Fangio, he played more base, he didn't blitz as much. He relied on basically his guys to get there with Hicks and Mac. You know, you can do that. But with Pagano, he's going to come in, he's going to blitz a little more, and he's going to try and create turnovers. He's going to try and create the pressure. If you look at what he did when he was in Baltimore, he took a very good defense. And he actually increased their turnovers, he increased the interceptions, he increased the forced fumbles. So he did that before. If he, if he does it again, it'll be hard to say because obviously the Bears were so good last year. But I, I'm not too worried. I think the Bears are going to be close to what they were last year as far as the, 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 the turnovers go. Hey, Lester, uh, what's the one thing, one person besides Trubisky on offense is to say Khalil Mack? On defense, what what's one bear that you like really looking forward to and to watching this upcoming season? Uh, you know, I'm I, I sound kind of weird, but I'm really looking forward to James Daniels playing some center. You know, his his film out of Iowa was just so good. He is such a technician, and the knock at him coming out was that he didn't have the strength. But when you watch his film in Iowa, I mean, he never got manhandled. He he was doing the manhandling, and then coming into camp, the Bears kind of started slow with him, which I understood why. Uh, he was only 20 years old at the time. He didn't understand what he was seeing in front of him. He wanted to, they wanted to bring him along slowly at an easier spot, which was guard for him. Um, but this year he's playing center. He's making the line calls. And I just want to see him ball out. I mean, he did really good last year in the Rams game against Aaron Donald, who is one of the greatest defensive players in the history of the game. He basically shut him down. He went one-on-one with him. So I want to see James Daniel. I want to see his, his advancement as a, as a, as a second-year player. Is there a chance that they're going to be moving him around uh, Cody Whitehair and, and Daniels like they have with Cody Whitehair in the past? I, I hope not. I mean, the, the plan was, I mean, they've talked about it a little bit a few months ago that Daniels at center and, 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 and Cody going over there at, at, at left guard. And you know what? If that's what you're going to do with these kids, keep them there forever. You have a really good starting five from, from, from right to left. It's solid. Don't mess with it. Let those five guys play. Now, obviously, if some injuries happen, you may be forced into something. But the Bears are comfortable, I think, with with, with uh, uh, Ted Larson at backup guard. He can kind of play a swing spot in there. You know, he's kind of what the Bears had last year with Cush and Witzman, a, a similar type player. But he can play all three of those spots interior. So if there's an injury on the inside, I think Larson should come in and plug in the spot that's injured and let everyone else stay in their positions. Because Personally, I just don't like seeing that all the moving around. I think it's good for a, a group that used to who's next to you. It's important for Leonard to always have the guy, the same guy next to him at all times. It's important for, for, the, for, for Kyle Long to know he's going to have the same guy next to him at all times. It just helps their familiarity in the entire offense. D and Davis show on the line with us right now, Lester A. Wolfong Jr., editor-in-chief of Winnie City Gridiron. Uh, what growth do you want to see from Coach Nagy this upcoming season? That's a good question. You know, it, it's hard to tell with the coach what they're doing, but the thing with him is, is it, it's always time management. That's what the big thing with coaches it's, it's taking advantage of mismatches, which I thought he was pretty good at last year, but with his, he has more weapons now this year, obviously with, with his tailbacks now can do anything. So I, I want to see how he's going to use the mismatches with, with Tariq Cohen, with David Montgomery, with Mike Davis, with Cordero Patterson. You know, these are all guys that can line up pretty much anywhere on the offense but they start off in the backfield to get a favorable matchup. I mean, I'd love to see uh, uh, the, the Bears start off with, with two or three uh, tailbacks at the same time, you know, motion them out, and then get one-on-one against a linebacker because there's no linebacker in the league that's going to cover three call one-on-one or, or, or Patterson or, or even Montgomery. 
You mentioned Mike Davis uh, now becoming a Bear, and you have Jordan Howard, who's no longer here. What can Bears fans expect to see from a Mike Davis? You know, I, I looked at some of his film when he was in college, and then again some when he was in Seattle. And he is a—he he doesn't have the, the speed. I mean, he's not a fast guy. He's—he he actually kind of reminded me of David Montgomery. Um, he's kind of has that same type of quickness in the hole. Uh, he is—he's one cut and go. Um, I've heard him described as a bull in a china shopper. He just wants to get it and go, and and that's fine, you know. But he does have the the, the short burst quickness to make some guys miss. And um, again, like I talked about, he can do anything. He can line up in, in the slot or out wide. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. And the thing that he has that Jordan Howard didn't is when he catches those small swing passes, he's back up at top speed in a snap. Jordan Howard was a, a little bigger guy. He was six foot two. He was more of a lumber where he would catch it. It'd take him a little bit to go. By that time, the defense is on him with Mike Davis, with the, the tailbacks the Bears have now, they're going to catch it and get back to top speed in, a, in an instant and get some yards. Lester, sticking with the offense, and there's a plethora of weapons. I'm a big-time naggy guy. I think it should work out. But there's still kind of questions when you look at the tight end position. Trey Burton came in, and usually I'll say this last season. Usually you don't hit on as many free agents that you bring in like the Bears did. Maybe if you bring in four or five, maybe one and a half actually perform up to what the contract value was. But the Bears did well, and Trey Burton performed well, even though we know at the end of the year he wasn't able to play Adam Shaheen had a little bit of flash. I don't know if I should say flash, but he still isn't the player necessarily that the Bears thought they were getting when they drafted him, and the system is kind of different from when Fox had him. What are your thoughts on the tight end position this season? You know, I think Trey Burton had a had a good year last year, like you said. He gets a lot of uh, a lot of people on him because of the uh, the anxiety issues. You know, that's a thing these days, guys. Everyone has to understand that happens with people. You know, it, it's unfortunate that happens at that level in the NFL that it's coming to light, but. But then again, it's kind of good that he shine, had, had he set his, uh, uh, shining light on the, the condition. So that was his problem earlier in the year as far as with the, uh, the, the not wanting to throw the pass. The injury happened late. Everyone assumed it was that. It ends up being he had to have surgery. So it wasn't that, obviously. You know, but I like Burton. I think he's solid for what he does. Um, he's a, a decent blocker when he's out in space. I don't like him in line, obviously. And then with Adam Shaheen, you know, I just, I just had, had an article about, about the, the, the tight ends go up today. Adam Jean is a big boy, 6'6", 270. He's a really good athlete. He needs to play to his size. He needs to be a bully on that field. He has all the skills. Now let's see him bring some nasty to the field and let's see him get it done. Listen, outside of David Montgomery, what rookie do you think is going to have the best season? Or who have you heard seems like they're picking everything up pretty fast? You know, everything that I've heard about and, and you know, all, all, all the guys are at, at, at the OTAs and minicamps, they raved about Duke Shelley, the, 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 the nickel. He was very unknown. I was coming out of college. I didn't look at one second of his tape. I'll admit it. Cause I just didn't have him on my radar, but since the bears picked him, I went back and looked at him a lot. And he's everything that Ryan Pace describes, you know, he's, 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 he's really a, a quick twitch guy. He's real sticky in coverage. And the way the beat writers are talking about it, he may push that starting, uh, starting a uh, nickel back job. Dan Davis on the line right now, Lester A. Will Funk Jr., editor-in-chief of Whitney City Green Iron. Listen, let me ask you this. Looking at this division, but also looking at this conference, what team do you think is really going to give the Bears a run in, in this division? But then looking at the conference, what teams do you expect? Now, you can look at the Saints, the Rams, also the Cowboys. What team is going to step up? And what team, because usually we know if one team goes from worst to, worst to first, some team has to fall out. What team do you think is going to fall back this year? And could that be the Bears? You know, I can't see it being the Bears. You know, the Bears are just 
a really solid football team top to bottom. I mean, their starters, their backups are pretty good. You know, they have depth in, in, in real key places. Uh, so I can't see them going, taking a step back this year. You know, they may not win 12 games again, but, you know, they're going to be right there again in, in, in the playoff hunts. Um, and as far as the division, you know, I say it every year, but as long as Aaron Rodgers is playing quarterback for the Packers, that's a dangerous team. You know, I know a lot of his, his, his stats kind of fell off the last couple of years, but he was really stagnant in that offense. And I think we saw that about a lot of that play out this off season with the, with, with the, the, the coach was fired, you know, they bring in a, a really young, fresh offensive mind. And, you know, there's some rumors that they're already having some, some problems up there, but you know, I don't buy it too much. You know, they're, they're professionals at the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers wants to build on his legacy. I think they're going to turn around pretty quick in green Bay. They had a pretty good off season as far as draft picks and free agency. So I think it's going to be the battle between the bears and Packers, but, but again, this division is tough. The Vikings are solid. And I, I've been liking what the Lions have done the last few years. It's just a matter of them, you know, turning around for their coach. But as far as the NFC overall, I think the uh, probably the class of the division this year, it's probably the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, they just looked really good the last few years, obviously um, the key for them is Carson Wentz taking the next step. He looked good as, as, as a uh, second-year player in, in that system. He got hurt. He got hurt again. And then, uh, obviously, the, the whole thing with Nick Foles is gone now. But Carson Wentz can take the next step. The Eagles are real tough this year. You mentioned that you liked the moves that the Green Bay Packers made. So what was your take on the Adrian Amos, HaHa Clinton Dix? Of course, they weren't traded, but of yeah. course, kind of a swap. What was your take on that, that those guys, players moving to these teams? You know, I've always been a, a fan of Adrian Amos. This is the guy that a couple of years ago, the Bears went out and they got his replacement in Quentin Demps. They didn't like Adrian Amos. He was a starter as a rookie, started a couple of years, but the Bears went out and tried to replace him. He didn't say a word about it. He didn't complain. He didn't, he didn't make waves. He just put his head down and worked. And then when Demps got hurt, he stepped back in and played solid again. And then I think he had his best year the last couple of years. But the thing that he is for the Bears that's probably what it'll be for the Packers. And if that's the case, it'll be good. He's a box safety. You know, you don't want to see Amos out in coverage. He's not getting interceptions or, or turnovers. It's just not his game. He is a fundamental player, which is fine. That's what he is. But with Ha-Ha, with Ha-Ha Clinton Dix, he brings a little more upside if he lives up to his potential. You know, he has the potential to be a better guy in, in, in coverage. He has the potential to be that because we've seen him do it in the past. The last couple of years, though, his tape is not the best. Um, I have a feeling, though, with him realizing where his NFL career is, is headed, he's on a one-year deal. He knows that if he balls out this year in Chicago, he's going to get a big payday. So I think he's going to be on his best behavior. He's going to be hustling. He's going to be playing the best football of his life. And, of course, he's got some outstanding talent around him. So I think we're going to see a good year out of Clinton Dix. And in Green Bay, they'll see a good year out of Amos. Hey, listen, okay, you gave us a lot of positives for the Bears, but I know you got to have some concerns. So give me a concern you might have for the Bears going into this season. You know, I, I wish I had some 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 really negative stuff to say, but, you know, I mean, I think this this is this team is in their super, their super Bowl window right now. Obviously, a lot hinges on the quarterback. You know, Trubisky has to make those improvements. You know, I know I, I'm assuming he will, you know, being in the second year of the system. You know, I know the coaches assume he will. The coach said he's having a great offseason so far. But we got to see it. We got to see him make those plays because this offense has to be an offense where he is the playmaker. He's the guy, you know, he, he's obviously the, the, the face of the franchise now. He has to live up to that. He has to get it done. He has weapons around him. Robinson, Miller, you know, Burton, the running backs are a revamp for him. So it's all on him now. Him and Nagy got to get it done. Listen, when you head out to training camp and you first when you get out there, what's one of the first things or what's something that you really focus on when you're out there watching these guys in training camp? 
I like to find the offensive line drills, to be honest with you. Um, I just kind of always like to see those big guys move out there and kind of see what they're doing. Um, I know with Coach Harry Heastan, he's a he's a, a pretty vocal guy, uh, so you can kind of pick some of the stuff up, especially if they're practicing a little bit closer to the sideline. Um, but I try and watch the O line stuff just because I like what they're doing. I want to see who's 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 got good feet. I want to see how how the young guys are progressing. I know last year I saw uh, Rashad Coward, and I was really impressed with how he looked in practice, being you know a first year offensive lineman. But I, I saw his feet right away, and I saw how he moved his hands in unison with his feet. And I thought this is the guy who's going to get it. He might get it in year one, but he's going to eventually become a pretty good offensive lineman. I think that's why they let Bradley Sowell go to tight end because they're confident in Coward being that swing tackle. Are you are you satisfied or confident with the kicker situation? With oh, the going to the yeah, well, you know what? Let's go back to that. The negatives. That's the one negative. I mean, it's there. It is. There you it know, is. there it is. I, I'm not sure how I forgot about the double doink. I guess I'm, I'm putting my memory way in the back, but. Yeah, you know, I, I must be, you know, but that's something they got to figure out. I mean, they talk about the two kickers that got in Fry and Panero. They're kind of opposites uh, with Fry. He's a little more accurate than Panero. Panero has a bigger leg. Um, but with young kickers, a lot of it is about their technique. They just got to do it and do it and do it constantly, get that repetition down. And hopefully one of these guys will come through. But if not, you know, Ryan Pace is looking, he's going to try and find someone out there. You know, he understands that he cannot go into the situation this year was an unproven kicker. He thought he had to figure it out last year by giving up uh, uh, the big deal to Parkey, who had a pretty good year in Miami the year before. Obviously, it didn't work out. You got to get that spot figured out because, like I said, this team is in their Super Bowl window. Get that spot figured out. Dean Davis on the line right now, Lester A. Will Fong. Follow him at Will Fong Jr. Look, are you buying a uh, Cleveland Browns hype? I, I still feel like Pittsburgh has a chance to win that division. Are, are you hands down going with uh, Baker Mayfield's ODB and, and Landry? Are you rocking with them, or do you think that uh, every they're still Cleveland? You know, Cleveland's another team that the last years have drafted pretty well. Uh, I was a real big fan of Mayfield coming out. I thought he was the best quarterback in that class. And, you know, he he brings some swagger to the team. I mean, that's something that you need out of that spot. And as long as he's not going overboard, I think that's, that's going to be good for the team. You know, obviously they have the weapons now on offense. Uh, the, uh, a chub at running back. You mentioned the, the, the receivers. You know, that offense should be pretty good. And then they have some young talent on defense too. But like you said, Pittsburgh – you know, I never count out the, the the vets over there. You know, they're a very well-coached team. They have the, the best quarterback in the division still, I think. So, you know, it's going to be a toss-up, but I think the Browns, for Cleveland fans, should be happy because their team should definitely be in the playoff mix this year. Hey, let our listeners know what's coming up on the T-Formation conversation and also on Windy City Gridiron. You know, actually, we got some stuff for the for the WCG podcast. We're actually going to be uh, down out in Bourbon A. We're going to try and record a few shows there. I know uh, uh, one of the other shows we have on there, Bears Over Beers, and uh, and and uh, uh, bear with me, uh, the, the host of those shows, they're actually going to rent a house. They're going to be there for Saturday, Sunday, Monday in Bourbon A, and uh, the plan is to do a few recordings right there from camp. A little bit of scorehouse you got going on down there? <laughs> Something like that. It's, it, it, it's, it should be live, but, but not too live because we're all a little older, but it, it, it should be fun. Okay. All right, Le- Lester, man, thank you so much for hopping on with us, man. We really appreciate it. Definitely. Anytime, fellas. Have a good one. You too. And that's Lester A. Wilfong Jr. of Windy City Grinard. He is the editor-in-chief. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Wilfong Jr. That's just J-R at the end. All right. So next up, we're going to go up for grabs with one of Mr. Ryan Bukovetsky. See what he got for us this week. All right? Dean Davis Show. Yo, what up? It's your man, Jay Illa, official Chicago Bears DJ. And you are listening to the Dean Davis Show. Turn it up. 
and Davis show. All right, it's time for Up for Grabs with one Mr. Ryan Bukovsky. Ryan, what you got for us this week? Well, let's start off with some baseball, and we're going to start with the Chicago Cubs. And I want to ask you guys, uh, what should Joe Madden do if it's a one-run ball game and a starter gives him six innings? How should he set it up, or is it purely based on matchups when it comes to the bullpen? I think you still do it the conventional way, the elementary way. I think it's all still matchups. I mean, you go out there, you try to figure out what you can do. Uh, I know as we, uh, not, not not we, but a caller called in, we was uh, filled in for Les Gropsey on the score overnights. Uh, they call him the Mad Wizard. I know he, I know uh, Joe likes to pull a lot of things out of nowhere. Something sometimes pull it out of his ass. Um, but no, I still say you just go by matchup, man. You just can't, I know the bullpen is struggling and you, you don't want to blow the confidence of the bullpen. That's why, and rightfully so, Ken poo pooed it that Almora is in is hitting fifth in the lineup. You want to try to keep your guys with a little confidence. You want to try to make sure that they believe in themselves. Because once they stop believing themselves, and they're, they're basically useless to the team. So I think you still go out there, you pitch matchup, you find the best matchup, and you put your guy out there, you let him pitch. So you wouldn't go the C Shack stroke Kimbrough automatically. Sometimes that automatic might not work. Sometimes you got to do a little manual work. Sometimes you might have to. It, it depends on the situation. Typically, yes, it should be set up that way. That would probably be the best way to do it. But depending on the situation, you might have to switch it up a little bit. Uh, you know what? In saying that, you're telling me that now we feel like we have no worries in Kimbrel. Now, we know that Shishek is like pitching every day twice, basically. So we know he's good. I, th- I, I think it's it's both. And that you don't want to be in a situation where you're you're rigidly sticking to that, and perhaps one of those guys aren't good on a different side, facing a batter on a different side of the plate, and you're like, or not even that, that this facing a batter because of which way they swing, but maybe just that particular batter. You don't want to sit there and be locked in, especially depending on if this becomes a race for the division and you lose by a game because you're just being so rigid in that type of situation. Or one might go down. True. But I mean, if one goes down, you wouldn't be able to do it anyway. Yeah. But so, so I, I would say that with going on what you're saying, Shisek and Kimbrel, yeah. But if I have to move Shisek to be the, the the guy leading up to the setup guy to Kimbrel, okay. But I would be fine with him being right before Kimbrel, depending on what you're going to get out there before is what I'd necessarily be looking at. But also to go to this, and people talked about this as far as knowing your job. Sometimes it's better to know your job. Now, if those guys, especially the, the two that we know, well, one and the guy that's new, if Kimberl and Shishek can have be, play very well, you may just want to leave them alone and then mess with that guy that's coming in and in the sixth or the seventh. Seventh, yeah. And, you know, that may be the, the decision you make. But again, I mean, with this, man, when you're talking about matchups, it's, it's kind of hard to just say outside of having a closer. Yeah, with Kimbrel, he gets the ninth inning, so you just kind of have to trust that he's your closer, whether he's been great or not, and it's been kind of up and down. He's gotten the job done, I guess, for the most part, but it has been clean, and you're certainly not looking at Kenley Jansen like a couple years ago when he was just that shut down, like Sandman, Mariano, Mariano Rivera during uh, the yeah. ball game. Yeah. I like C-Sheck. He's been kind of their setup man, but they've used him a lot. You just wonder if maybe they might grind him away to nothing when it comes to the end of the year. Yeah, man. Strope has been uh, really giving up the long ball lately, so I think you got to go Manchos, but then you start to wonder. You only got one lefty in Kyle Ryan, so how many lefties can you throw at 
another team if they have a bunch of lefties. And then you got your right-handed throwers that you thought were your closers and C-Shake and Strope, and they're not really holding it down. So it's I think it's a really tough conundrum Joe Man's in. How much faith does he put into those guys, and how much does it start saying, okay, only guy that we know for sure is Kimbrough's coming out in the ninth for a save situation? I got to do a shout-out that has nothing to do with this. I saw on ESPN earlier today. I'm happy that they have Cynthia Cooper. Coop de Loop out there, people would forget how great she, she was, was. Great, dude. I mean, great basketball like a, player, cra- dude. She was the Michael Jordan yes, of she the was. beginning of the WNBA, and it was kind of like in a row, right? In a row. And remind Cheryl Swoops was hurt, was pregnant, and I think she may have blew out of ACL. But Cheryl Swoops was pregnant. Cheryl Swoops was supposed to be yeah the star on that team with the uh, the Houston uh, uh what's it? Not the Rockets. It was the Comets. Comets. Huge Comets. I didn't see at the bottom uh, when it was introducing her. Hall of Fame. She is Cynthia Cooper. She went with Jordan winning, I think. Did she? I think so. I okay, think she, right. she went in with somebody important. If it wasn't Jordan, it was somebody. But I think she made it went into Jordan's draft. Class. Okay, all right. I mean, Hall of Fame. Okay. We want to switch it over now to the South Side and White Sox prospect Luis Roberts has been killing it in AAA Charlotte. Currently, he is slashing a 326 uh, average with a 375 on base and a 767 slugging for an OPS of 1.142. Dominus. So question is, how soon should the Sox consider calling up their future center fielder? Not soon at all. Um, I guess what's it's about to be August, so another month. I mean, if you want him to get some at bats in September, I'm fine with it. Um, but no, you don't rush this. You don't rush this kid. And also, you got to remember, yeah, he's killing it when it comes to blowing through the minor league levels. But you, still, that's the minor league levels, and you you slow it down. So I mean, slow it down with him. Next year's the year. Wait till next year, and then you bring him up. But I'm not in any rush. They're not do like one thing after. We're not going anywhere. So why are we putting all these kids out here and we're not going? Outside of, you want them to get at bats. I'm fine with him getting at bats. But let him dominate in AAA for a little bit a little bit longer. Then bring him up in September, let him get his feet wet, and then bring him up with the team next year, and then start him out in center field, and then we'll be going forward from there. Yeah, I totally agree. There's no reason to bring him up unless you want him to get like a few at bats, and that could be the last, what, three weeks of the season or something like that. Just let them go ahead down And he's paid It's not as if he's like Working control on like a time. Yeah control time It's not like he's working He's getting paid And all he eating Is like tuna sandwiches Or something like that The brother got millions You know he what I'm saying He caviar when he gets dug out like, Y'all eating tuna? <laughs> <laughs> caviar over here Luis is caviar <laughs> You know what I'm saying He speaks in third person <laughs> Luis is the caviar, caviar. <laughs> So uh, I hope that's true by the way I know right <laughs> Luis is about to get up To the bats <laughs> And I think I just made him like Luis <laughs> just slugged that one Right Luis hit a real far Luis about to take this girl On hot dates <laughs> Luis won't be coming in tonight okay. Burger what are you doing Luis is doing very well tonight <laughs> <laughs> I'm eating the burger What are you doing burger um, No I think I think it's fine Just let Let's let them all Just stay down yeah, stop there Stop trying to rush our stuff yeah, I was curious I wanted I wanted to get your you perspective I wanted to get your feel On Luis Roberts As I said before A couple of weeks ago there's next season is not the season. It's the season after next. Clink. When you get all those younger players up and they're probably going to be playing next season anyway, uh-huh. just let them go ahead and finish it out. As I said before as well, my 
my definition of success, although this is a successful successful season for the White Sox, five to ten games under five hundred. That'll be great. Then the next year, with the maturation of the young players that is finally blossomed this season, and you see have some vets, and as we spoke about, you can go out there and sign some free agents. Then you have that youth that's coming up there as well. Just let, let it be a building process. They're not going nowhere unless you. They're not going nowhere unless Rick Hahn sends them somewhere. So just let them go in this play. Let them feast. When you leave here, what direction are you driving? I'm going to take Jeffrey to Lakeshore to 90, 94. All right. Which direction is that? Is that north? Yeah, you stay that way. Oh, okay. Oh, that's just me. Okay. Man. I mean, he's just... Until he's next a, he's a, he's a, He is a I'm, guest. I'm sorry, okay. next Saturday. He's a guest of the... Move that mic, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> he's not a guest. Oh, man. How about uh, some Bears training camp? Since we're talking about building and looking to win in the championship window, and it's here for the Bears now. So with the uh, training camp opening up this week, who are some of the names or what are some of the position group battles you're excited for for training camp? I want to see James Daniel take that step. Perry Hestad is an offensive line wizard, so it'll be interesting to see him calling the lines uh, and setting up the linemen. So I'm definitely interested in seeing that. I'm interested in seeing how strong and uh, um, Kyle Long is without having major injuries this offseason. So one will be the line. And then also going along with when we were talking to Lester, I, I do think there will be some sl- a slight regression with this defense. I don't know if we'll be able to see it statistically as much, even though they could have a few less turnovers, but I think schematically they're gonna they're gonna get turnovers from blitzing more often. But I'm really interested in seeing Roquan. I think this defense is so good we keep forgetting about Roquan. Mm-hmm. You don't hear a lot of people talking about Roquan, and I think that's what we need to start keying on. Because if he takes a step in Georgia, Roquan, yeah, if he t- like dog, it's the game now isn't fast to him. Maybe it's a good thing that he's under, under yeah, radar. Exactly. Yeah, but it's not fast. Don't think about him. Don't it's not him. fast to him. You're talking about a, someone else the defense has to keep their eyes on to maybe open up more passing lanes or or easier. Let me say not uh, less double teams for Khalil Mack, um, Moroquan, and then it would probably be what's going to happen with Leonard Floyd. I am slightly concerned about Ha Ha Clinton Nicks already being nicked up. That was going to be what I'm looking out for, the safety position, ha-ha, Clinton Dix. I want to try to see if he comes in, what he does when he comes in. Uh, starting off on a pup list, I believe that's what's mm-hmm. happening with him right yep. now. Pup! That's kind of concerning. Oh, man, Maria Taylor. Uh, that is kind of concerning. Stop perving on the show. Hey, man, listen, hold on. If I see a beautiful woman, I'm going to acknowledge it, all right? Just, There's an M. This is perving. No, you can let that go, actually. You keep that in there. <laughs> You let them know that. No, it's all right. Um, but no, I'm am um, I'm curious about that. Uh, you said another play. I want to see what Montgomery does. Every, I mean, the hype around him is big. Uh, he has. That's a guy. As I just said before, I'm 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 happy with Roquan kind of going under the radar. The radar is right on Montgomery because Jordan Howard is now gone, who I was a fan of, but he just didn't fit the system. Um, I'm I, that that target is on Montgomery, and we have to see exactly what he does. So, uh, can he live up to the hype? I know he had the video out there, he running, doing the drills and the fast feet. Yeah, that's all well and dandy until two hundred fifty pound linebackers coming at your ass and knocking you across the field. That's that's a whole other story. Gonna be like, uh, I hope so. He gonna be like a poor man. Why you gotta be poor? Can he be a poor man, Kareem Hunt? That would be. Perfect. I just want him to be Kareem Hunt. How about that? I was going to say something to that extent or uh, Saquon Barkley. 
Oh, oh my gosh. You're going to poor man Saquon. That's great. That's what I'm saying. Wow. But I'll be like dirt poor. <laughs> That's okay. I don't I'll want to dirt poor anything. Like, you're not getting him jumping over people like that. But I mean, he. How, I tall, how tall is Montgomery? He's, he's six feet? He's around there. Yeah, he's right around six yeah. feet. Oh, six feet? Yeah. All right, real, I got a couple for you. Uh, Kerf White. Oh, yeah. We keep mm. forgetting about him being in a running back field. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a guy that's big and fast. So I'm looking at him, uh, Steven Denmark, and probably Emmanuel Hall. And I'm, come on, Ooh, dude. Yeah. He's not, he, he wasn't a member of the Tide, but basically, Riley, Riley really may as well went to Alabama. <laughs> so, you know, because I mean, when you're talking about, we're talking about a kid that you know has the mental fortitude to get better because it's in that family as far as him and his brother challenging each other see him ended up in the sec not as fast as his brother bigger it's got to help when they're training together and, and too listen all you're asking for him to be is a great route runner and have good hands with his size so those are some of the players some of the unheralded guys that i'm kind of starting to, to, to get ready to get excited about and get this fantasy open so we can get this brand. oh yeah oh, what what is, is what's going to be the depth chart or the starting if you want to say lineup you want to say for the wide receivers for the bears coming up this season you're gonna have uh, well, i think you have your top three still in yeah. gabriel, gabriel miller, miller and robinson robinson if gabriel will start begin the season there we'll see if he holds on to it right you think really he's gonna take his spot no, I just, whims. We have to see. I mean, Andrew, Emmanuel Hall, maybe. Yeah, I mean, we have oh to yeah, see. yeah. We have to see. Gabe, Gabriel's contract too. Like, it, it's sooner or later, some of these guys got to go. And yeah, it is a lot of. Them. He did. He was decent last year. Out of all those, we're talking about the, how they hit on most of their free agents. At the beginning of the year, he played a lot better. But you can't remember as much towards the end of the year him making the same amount of noise with the kind of coin that he picked up coming from Atlanta. So, and there's a lot of speed on this team too. Not to say you don't want more. Or you can take a you can stand for a player leaving this fast, but he could be a player that they look at letting go at some point because they're going to have to move some money around sooner or later. With Mitch Trubisky probably going to get paid. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, to kind of touch on some other names that you guys didn't mention, Cordell Patterson's going to be one that I'm going to watch because it's not necessarily him making the team. It's where is he mainly going to play at? Is he mainly a receiver? He's going to be obviously kickoff, but running back is something he did with the Patriots. Is he going to be used there? Right. Tight end is a possibility for him, too. Like, he's going to be used all over the field. So I want to see where. You feel good when you feel good having uh, a tool like that with Nagy. Oh, yeah. You'd be able to really utilize him. I mean, Nagy sometimes gets a little too cute for his own good when we look Mm -hmm. at Tariq Cohen not getting enough touches in the playoff game. But for the most part, he utilizes that kind of stuff. And you know he's coming up with formations and brand new things. So Dude, Patterson what just adds that do, outlet. What are you going to do if they put Tariq Cohen out there and Cordell Patterson out there? Right. In a backfield? Yeah. They could put him in a backfield and then just send one of them out. Send one of them out to receive. Like, like just what are, you, what are you like? If you're on a defense, who are you keying on? Right. But who's going to get the short end of the stick when it comes to the offense? Because you have a lot of Cordell tools. Patterson isn't. I don't think he's going to get a, a a chunk of it. He's going to be a trick guy. He's a high. special dude, though. Yeah, he but has if you look at how tool. he was used in Minnesota, he probably New England. They tried to get everything out of him, and then New England. He's he's a guy you use in different ways, but that's not. He's not Tariq Cohen. So it's not like he's going to be taking it from Tariq Cohen. Plus, he's probably similar to Tariq in that they'll get the same amount of touches per game. I don't think he has the. He he doesn't have the hands. I don't think maybe. 
Because remember, because you got to throw in kickoff return too, because that goes into True. with Tariq. Kickoff I mean, probably be, punt. One of them's gonna be doing punt. But Tariq, That's Tariq's gonna do punt, gonna and then you're gonna have Cordell do. Kickoff. You know, but I don't think it'll be from those guys that are getting inside. I will say this: I wonder, and there's a lot of ways to use Tariq Cohen. Every time I bring this up, people say they'll find ways. I wonder if David Montgomery really takes off. And it eliminates, not to say you want to record running through the tackles anyway, but it eliminates some of his run options because you like, we got this stud back here. What's the purpose right now? So I wonder how they're going to keep feeding Tariq Cohen, but maybe mm-hmm. that's not the point with him being so slight that you want to end up getting him hurt from feeding him too often. And I look at a couple other names on offense. Emmanuel Hall that we talked about, he was a guy that looks at athletically. He's, I mean, he's what you want as a wide receiver. He's big enough he's fast he's a playmaker downfield supposedly doesn't like to get hit let's see where he kind of gets into this formation because you know if he comes on at all with that speed that he'll probably be valued Dax Raymond is a guy that they signed undrafted at tight end they spent a lot of money on him for an undrafted free and they made him a real big priority and looking at the depth chart at tight end after Trey Burton who we don't know fully Amjean total wild card and they really don't have anything else after that so he might be a guy that's very important and just quickly on defense, I think the big thing is the Duke Shelley kid that they talked about. Is that nickelback spot just buster screens or is that an open competition? And then probably the last thing would be how Leonard Floyd looks. Yeah. I think it's going to start. Yeah. It's definitely buster screens yeah. because you're going to go you with the him. vet. Yep. You're going to go with the vet first, but then you're going to see what the kid can do. But to be honest with you, man, with four wide receiver sets, is it even going to matter as much? I mean, right. not even that. Five wide receiver sets plus, depending on who's coming out the back, like, dude, if you're sitting there and you're in nickel or whatever, you know what I'm saying, plus injuries, he may it may be a situation where buster screen may have to step up for one of the starters. Right. You know, so it'd be interesting to D. De- and then also, and it, it, I know it's going to take years probably from a guy that played running back uh, most of the time, but Stefan Denmark. Mm-hmm. And see what he ends up doing with his. I mean, his what he has is phenomenal. Physically is amazing. How that, la- his, that last year at school, how he became a, a corner and what he can do. We'll see if they'll be able to hone it. I'll say one thing that's good it, about, unfortunately, using, losing Vic, uh, Vic uh, Pagano. I mean, Perkins. Fangio. 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 Thank you. I'm mixing them. No. Vic <laughs> Blending them together. The thing when I made Vic They Pagano, might be the same. The most deep. No, but the thing about Fangio leaving Fangio and bringing in Chuck Pagano is that Chuck Pagano's expertise on defense is the defensive backfield. So if he can raise up these defensive backs, right. as you just said, with uh, uh, Duke Shelley and uh, Steven uh, Denmark, then, man, then you got something. And having that, you may have a situation where Denmark may be a guy that you can move out to safety when, if high high Clint Dix does perform well. I don't know if Clint Dix is about to get paid, paid. You know, like Wester. Uh, I guess it depends how good he is. Yeah, but I mean, like, it, he would have to be phenomenally good to get, like, a, a, a crazy contract for a, a guy that, if you look at it, a lot, a lot of teams clearly soured on from getting traded to sure. Washington and then no one really giving you a large I think you could have got a little bit more money than the Bears but no one really wanting to lock in on you lock in on you for you being a first round heralded pick like he was coming out of battle maybe if right. he has a successful season maybe he'll be a Bear for a while that can would be nice I wouldn't mind that but can they pay him yeah that's the question last question though for up for grabs that I have uh, wanted to get your thoughts again on another thing I saw over the week the Lakers signed Giannis's brother yeah. which some speculate might be a way for the Lakers to have an in on Giannis's free agency that's coming up the Bucks also signed a brother of his as well is there any merit to this type of recruiting or is it purely inconsequential it's smart yeah I, I think mean so. the Lakers did it Last year with what? Uh, it's the younger brother. KCP. The youngest, right? Right. 
They did with KCP, I believe. And uh, since he was with Clutch, they were looking at it as getting uh, indoctrinated with Clutch before LeBron situation or the season before. So they're looking at it as, look, it can't hurt for Giannis's little brother to be like, hey, things are really nice over here. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, listen, I'm telling you, it's nice out here in L.A. Like, when Giannis is sitting there in the middle of winter in Milwaukee and dude is sitting there with a Jenner and it's warm and you hear them giggling in the background and Giannis got cheese heads giggling around him, it's going to be like, man, you know what? I don't even know, man. <laughs> and then he's going to sit there and look and it's going to be Chris Milton and Robert Lopez and you hear LeBron chuckling in the background and AD, you be like, Taco Tuesday! Exactly. You hear that? <laughs> like, man, they got tacos, legit tacos. Anthony, you want some tacos? So, I mean, I, I mean, again, it, it's not a be all end all, but I mean, it's an in route, and uh, why not try it for someone that's? I mean, he's taking up a roster spot, but he's not taking up a large part, part of your cap. Yeah, isn't he? Go, is he going to be on the G League? Probably. Yeah, might as well go ahead and stock him up. He was with Dallas playing a two way, I think. How many bros does uh, Giannis two, have? What three? Play. Yeah. Let me say two that play. Two that play. Yeah. I mean, listen, if it's any kind of, I wish the Bulls was doing it. How about that? You might you might oh, get I lucky. had a sneaky angle right there. Oh, I don't think Giannis Ooh. would do that to Milwaukee and stay that close. Because that would be the worst place. The same thing for Cleveland, damn near. It would have been worse for LeBron to go to Chicago, Chicago. than to Miami. And it would have been worse for Giannis. If Giannis leaves Milwaukee and just goes an hour and a half to Chicago. Oh. They'd be like, man, I can't stand it, man. <laughs> I mean, listen, if it's, if it's the situation is good and the money is good, then the players are going to go wherever they're going to go. Uh, no, I think it's fine. If it's not tampering any kind of way, if it's just a shrewd way of doing business or just recruiting in that sense, hey, man, listen, it ain't cheating until you get caught. So go ahead and do what you got to do. Wise words from Dirty D. Hey, man, Dirty Dr. D. Dirty Dr. Dirty D, to be exact. <laughs> uh, no, if it's if it's uh, if it's cool, it's cool. You know what I'm saying? It's, it, they're not hurting anybody. Yeah, I, I, I guess it doesn't really matter. I'm assuming Giannis is going to do whatever Giannis is yeah. going to do without yeah. his brother. I was just. It kinda, might be like the White Sox with Manny up. Uh, that's what I was kind of thinking about too. Like how they brought in the friends and family yeah. plan and it didn't quite work out. Not even here no more. But I guess uh, I was just kind of curious what your guys' thought because. With Giannis, is anyone banking on their brothers being good? Because there's been that kind of talk, like the brothers might be better or whatever, blah, blah, blah. You don't know. You don't know, though. You do know. They're not. You don't know. You take a fly on it, you don't know. They took a fly on on Giannis. It's like, hey, who was the streaming king out of Greece? 15. That's not a flyer. You're, these guys, we wouldn't know if they're going to be great. He mentioned better. How many teams are scouting? How many teams are scouting him, though? He mentioned better. Than Giannis. Giannis. There's not a chance in hell either one of them be better than Giannis. How old is the younger brother? Because Giannis is like, what, 23 or 24? Yeah, Giannis is He's still pretty young. You. How tall is. Yeah, how not, tall there's not a chance they're going to be better than Giannis. Do you think that they would be on the... Sh- by now, just look at this. We scouting in the end-up NBA, which we know is some of the best scouting. They, they follow these kids since they're eight, damn near. Do you think this kid would have been out on the street if someone thought he can really be better than Giannis after the Kupo? Well, you better stop. <laughs> you take a fly on him. You just take a fly. We're going to go ahead and talk a little Chicago baseball, both sides of the town, all right? We're going to talk to Russell Dorsey of MLB coming up next, Dean Davis Show. What's up, everybody? It's Cameron Smith from CBS2 Chicago. You're listening to the D and Davis Show. D and Davis, right now on the line, we have Russell Dorsey, Chicago reporter for MLB.com. Follow him at Russ underscore Dorsey1. 
about time we got this brother in line. How you doing, Russ? Yeah, I'm doing well, man. D, how you doing, bro? Doing good, brother. Doing good. And also, man, listen, as a man to a man, I like your hair. Hey man, I, I appreciate it. I do. It's a good it. man you got right hey, there, bro. Hey, listen, listen for somebody that's partially losing mind, man, it, it looks good. It does look good, man. <laughs> it's gonna be the running I, game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotta, I gotta hold, hold on, man. But hold, I appreciate. Hold it. on <laughs> to it, brother. Hold on to it. So look, going through your timeline uh, today was interesting. You brought up the fact that. Robel Garcia is definitely playing his butt off and how hard he wants to remain up here in the pros. I guess my question for you, and I know it's hard to say it right now, is this a small sample size or do you think this is something that we can extrapolate over the remainder of the season and maybe into next year? Well, I, I definitely think that Robel Garcia is is playing his way into way more playing time as we, we go down the stretch here. And with the way Addison Russell has been playing, and he's been playing some really bad baseball, I definitely think you can count on Robel Garcia getting the lion's share of the time at second base. And I actually talked to uh, Robel Garcia last week uh, about the whole competition at second base. It looked like he was going to get a lot more time there. And I, and I just said, hey, man, you're coming to a team that has a lot of expectations, and what do you – want to do to win this second base job. And he said, honestly, man, I, I got to just come in every day and prepare mentally and physically like I'm going to be playing every day. And I'll do what they need me to do. But when that door opens to play more, I'm going to be ready. And he's definitely been showing that in the last couple of weeks here. Our executive producer, Ryan, is a huge Cubs fan, and we've been going back and forth about Robel, and he was just including him in a trade, but I'm unsure would they do that, and does he have a value being a guy that was cut from the Indians and just now coming up, but would a team perhaps look at him, and of course not the key, but a key addition to a trade if the Cubs have to use him in the, the upcoming moves, perhaps to solidify that bullpen and or to get an outfielder or an infielder? Honestly, I think it would be asking a lot to include Robert Garcia in the trade, especially this early. A lot of G- GMs and executives out there know that he's been with the big league club for about three weeks now. So if I'm a GM, let's just say I'm Al Avila, the GM of the Tiger, and I'm scouting players for a potential trade for Nick Castellanos, right? I don't think I'm going to tie my trade to a guy who's come up for three weeks and played really well. Now, personally, I think Robel Garcia has the tools to be a pretty solid offensive talent in the big leagues. But as a GM looking to get some value and a a controllable asset for a solid player in Nick Castellanos, that's not the guy that that I would trade for. I would probably look more towards a guy like Ian Happ, who to me, I I think most – scouts and, and executives know what Ian Hask is at the big league level, but that's a guy who has some years of control, a speed guy, can play a couple of different positions, and can swing it from both sides of the plate. So I think that's the guy who might be included in a trade uh, for a rental like Nick Castellanos. Yeah, Ryan. Tried to tell you. I had to get Russell Dorsey to tell yourself the truth. About My bad, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, let him know. <laughs> 
Dean Davidson line, Russell Dorsey. <laughs> Follow him at Russ underscore Dorsey one. Check out his writings on MV.com. Definitely breaking down both sides of baseball here in Chicago. Look, I want to go to the bullpen real quick before D jumps in. Uh, listen, Pedro Strope definitely gave the game away. And unfortunately, I mean, most play- people here in Chicago are Carl Edwards Jr.'s fans, but it, it doesn't look right. If you asked us this weekend, you would think the Cubs were just looking for a lefty. Do they have to go out and perhaps look for a righty and a lefty in that bullpen with the strugglings from the guys from the right side of the plate? Honestly, I think even before Pedro Strokes' issues, I thought that it would have been smart of them to go looking for a right-hander and a left-hander, preferably a, a right-hander that you know was a hard-throwing type of guy, and then a left-hander who could potentially get left-handers and right-handers out. So a guy like Will Smith, left-hander from the Giants, who the Cubs will probably see in this upcoming series, and then a right-hander like King Giles, pitched for the Toronto Blue Jays, Got those 99, 100 miles an hour, can get tough right-handers out, can get left-handers out. Those are the type of guys that I think the Cubs should be looking for, even more so than a bat uh, to either lead off or just kind of tie up some loose ends in their lineup. Those are some potential guys to, to look at. But it's not going to come cheap. You know, the asking price is, you know, really high right now, especially with all the different relievers on the trade market and with the with no waiver trade deadline anymore, there's a lot of teams looking to make moves right now. So there's a lot of GMs on the phone, a lot of execs on the phone. And it's not going to be easy for the Cubs to get one, let alone two arms in that bullpen. Russell, do you think if this uh, road trip the Cubs are on right now, if it doesn't go well, do you think it's going to force their hands to be a little bit more aggressive before the trade deadline? Honestly, I think this 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 road trip, this upcoming let's say 19, 20 games is very important for them. Because I think if you look at the division as a whole, there are a couple teams that haven't even made their big move yet. The Cubs signed Craig Kimbrell a little bit over a month ago, but the Brewers still haven't made a move. And with their number one starter, Brandon Woodruff, going down, they're going to have to make some moves here. And so so do the Cardinals, so do the Pirates. And it sounds like the Reds are even going to be, be buyers of the deadline. So the Cubs really need to start, you're right, D, they need to start making some moves right now because this division isn't going anywhere. Nobody's pulling away. And the other teams in the division are going to start making moves here. So, so yeah, I think this, this road trip is, is huge for them to decide what they need to do. Like whether it's making a decision, all right, we need a right-hander. All right, we need a left-hander. Let's find uh, outfielder that can platoon uh, for Kyle Schwarber or Albert Almora. I think that's that is what they're going to have to do here, and with the way they've been playing on the road, you know they're going to have to really play well here in this next stretch. D and Davis show on the line with right now Russell Dorsey. Make sure you follow Russell on Twitter at Russ underscore Dorsey one. Uh, how much stock are you put into this recent success of you, Darvish? I think you found something, whether it was the start before the All Star break or during the All Star break. And if you talk to pitchers, sometimes it takes one bullpen session to find a small tweak to a pitch. And it doesn't even have to be a huge tweak. It can be moving your finger a centimeter on the baseball and you get more break or you get more tilt on, on a changeup or a slider or a curveball. And the way he's been pitching, if it was just the first two starts and then he kind of reverted back to his old ways, like he had pitched before the all-star break, I would have called it you know, a flash in the pan. But with the way he's been able to go out 
and dominate lineups. We knew that's the type of pitcher he was when he came from the Dodgers. When even if we go back to his time with the Rangers, he was one of the more dominant pitchers in baseball when he was on. And with the Rangers, he just did it more often, a little less often with the Dodgers and a little less often than that with the Cubs. But it looks like he's been able to get back to that Rangers type of dominance that we've gotten used to seeing for three and four years. So I think this is something sustainable. I think this this is something that the Cubs can look forward to here as we finish up the second half this next two months. And if you look at what the success has been coming from, he's been throwing his splitter more. This is a pitch that's been really dominant for him. Obviously, we, the big thing about you, Darvis, he has all these different pitches, seven, eight, nine, ten pitches. But our, the biggest thing was, what can you throw for strikes? And he's been able to throw four, five pitches for strikes. And then his fastball sitting 80, uh, 97, 98, 99 miles an hour. And if you have that type of uh, electric fastball and you're throwing splitters that nobody can hit on two-strike counts, you're going you're gonna to be in a position to succeed. Russ, before we jump into the south side, with all the trade options you've heard and rumors about what the Cubs may do, I want you to put your GM hat on. What moves would you make? But also with those those moves, what players would you send out to acquire the players that you would bring in? The problem that the Cubs have found themselves in in 2019, there are a couple of them. One, the players that you brought to the big leagues to help you win the World Series in 2016 have not performed the way they did in 2016. If you look at Kyle Schwarber, if you look at Albert Elmore Jr., if you look at Addison Russell, if you look at Ian Happ, all of these guys played really big roles for you that season, and it ended it with you hoisting the World Series trophy. Great. But as we've gone in the next two, three years, those guys have not gotten to their, what the Cubs expected them to do in their big league careers. And at this point in time, they are what they are. There's no more, well, let's wait and see. Let's wait and see. He can still be what we project him to be. No, this is who this guy is. So that's the biggest issue for the Cubs. Because then when you look at what can we get, what do we have to give up to get a talented player back that can help us make a push this season, there are not that many guys in your in your farm system anymore that can help you do that. There's Miguel Amaya young catcher in, in advanced day. You have Nico Horner, shortstop, got drafted last year out of Stanford. It's in double A. But you really don't want to trade those guys because your system is already weak after elevating a lot of these guys to the big leagues over the last couple of years. So there's really not that many guys that you can trade. If I if if there was a deal that where you could get a controllable, talented player that would be under contract for the next two or three years you consider moving a Nico Horner. you consider moving a Miguel Amaya because your window is closing. And if you look at Chris Bryant and his upcoming pending contract in the next couple of years, same thing with Anthony Rizzo, same thing with Wilson Contreras, same thing with Javi Baez. You're not going to be able to keep everybody. So this is your window right now why you have all these guys under contract, under club control, and entering or in their product. 
Dean Davis show right now on the line, MLB.com writer Russell Dorsey. Russell, going to the south side, I, I really liked a retweet of yours from Jason Beck about Alex Comey because it's something that I've been saying. And one, of course you want a nice closer, but if you're not winning, what's truly the value? And then if you look two seasons from now when the Sox may be trying to contend, you don't even know if that closer is going to be the same closer. Uh, some people will say, hold on to Comey. Some people will say trade him. As, as Beck pointed out, it's a seller's market looking at what the Tigers may do, what would you do if you were in the situation that the Sox can be in this this trade deadline? I think I, you can make the argument for both, whether it's keeping column A for next year when you're hoping to contend for that wild card spot or potentially the division. But as of right now, with the way the Sox have looked coming out of the break, I would personally trade Alex column A. I think you can find a guy with a big fastball that you want to be a closer. And yes, I get it. Closers are really expensive, and they're really expensive to trade for. But that's also the reason I think the Sox should move them at the deadline. Because if you look at what Jason Beck tweeted, the the Tigers aren't are asking a lot for for Shane Green, who's been one of the best relievers in baseball, a one point zero eight ERA this season, which is fantastic. But if you look at Alex Colomay, he's been up there as one of the better closers in the big leagues. And what the Tigers are asking for Shane Green is the Washington Nationals' number one prospect, Carter uh, Carter Cable. So it's, it's, if you're looking at that as being the asking price for an elite, hot, above average closer, I think there's there's a reason to believe that the Sox should move that guy because this you know you're still in this rebuild, you're still in this development of your guys, you're still trying to bring in an influx of talent. There's really not that much left to trade on the roster, and they're not going to trade Jose Abreu, in my opinion. So I think Alex Colomay is the guy that gets you one last piece before you really get ready to contend here in 2020. All right, Russell, so the White Sox came out really cold after the uh, All-Star break and put a past four games at three and one. But what would be your definition of, of a successful White Sox season? I think the honestly, I think this season has been a success for the for the Sox. I think if you look at the way Yoan Moncada has played like one of the best third basemen in not only in the American League but all of baseball, his transition yeah. to third base has taken you know it's that, he's taken a huge leap. And if you think about the season he had last year, this is a guy that had the fourth most strikeouts in the history of Major League Baseball. You know, so if the turnaround he's made to not only become an above uh, above average hitter, but a dangerous elite hitter at third base for the White Sox is huge, not only for him, but what they hope to be in the future. You look at Tim Anderson, who's turned himself into an all-star caliber shortstop this season before he got injured. These are all things that should get not only White Sox fans, but the White Sox organization excited for the future. Uh, Another guy, Eloy Jimenez, coming up and, and showing people what he can do at the big league level. There's some things he has to clean up, obviously, but this is a guy that has superstar written all over him. And then you look at what Luis Robert has done down in the minor league. This is a guy that's jumped four levels this year in the minor league and has torn up every level he's been at. And that's going to be your center fielder next year. So the Sox should really be happy about what they've been able to accomplish at the big league level and at the minor league level this year. I think the one downside would be they've had six guys have Tommy John surgery in the last 12 months. You know, that's not what you want to see. 
It's disappointing. Uh, there's those, those are a lot of guys who you were hoping would be in your rotation this year where you might be looking at contending for that wild card spot. But next year, you're going to get uh, Michael Kopak back, and he's going to be able to slide into your rotation with Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez and Dylan Cheese, right? And if they sign another free agent, if they sign a free agent in, in the offseason, that's a rotation that can potentially do some things next year. Now, I was just about, you you brought up free agent. I was going to ask you to put on your GM hat, like Ken said, for the Cubs. I want you to put it on for the White Sox. They have a lot of money to spend and didn't give it to Machado. So what would you do for if you're a GM uh, looking to free agent just for the offseason for the White Sox coming up? There's a couple things that you can do, D. First of all, you need starting pitching. Because if you look at the White Sox this year, they might be contending for that wild card spot if they had three dependable starters. And this year they've had one dependable starter and some guys that have been on and off. More times off than not. So if you if you look at the free agent class, there's a guy out there by the name of Garrett Cole who's probably the, the front line uh, AL Cy Young favorite, right? Mm-hmm. That might be a guy that you can go out there and get in free agency and be the anchor of your your rotation for the next five to six years. And not only would he be your age going forward, but that would help take the pressure off a lot of guys. Because then Lucas Giolito would become your number two, which is a really good number two. And then everybody else would slot down after that. So then Dylan Cease, it takes the pressure off of him. It takes the pressure off of Michael Kopech, who they're going to have to watch his innings coming off the Tommy John next year. And then if you catch um, Reynaldo Lopez in that rotation, now you have four young, talented arms and then your big ace at the top in Garrett Cole, who you look maybe $150 million he'll probably get this offseason. The other thing you could do if you want to add an offensive talent, the Washington Nationals have one of the most talented players in baseball that nobody talks about in Anthony Rendon. The one problem with Anthony Rendon is he plays third base. And if you have Yoan Mankata, who's made this great transition to third base, how what do, you, what do you do with Anthony Rendon? Now, I personally think Anthony Rendon would fit perfectly with what the Sox want to do. If you could convince him, and this is just me thinking, and this is how my brain works, if you could get Anthony Rendon to change positions and play right field, then next year you have an outfield of Anthony Rendon, Aloy Jimenez, and Luis Robert. And then Rendon slides into the middle of your lineup with Yohan Moncada and Tim Anderson and Aloy Jimenez and Jose Abreu. And with a lot of these other young guys coming up, that's that could be your John Lester type of move, uh, a veteran who can still play at an all-star caliber level that can help carry you into the future of White Sox baseball. Then they were on the line right now, Russell Dorsey from MLB.com. Listen, I agree with everything you say. I've been saying that for weeks as far as it looks like Garrett Cole will be the move because you knock everybody down, especially like you mentioned, you're bringing back injured pitchers and pitchers that haven't spent a long long time and some, if any, time in the majors. Uh, But look, I got one that just crossed my mind the other day and set me straight if I'm wrong. Because knowing the Sox and just knowing how 
so many teams perhaps maybe out there going for pitching and with Garrett Cole being at the top of the list even though the market for pitching has been suppressed there are going to be a lot of teams looking for a front line ace like that what if the time to strike for perhaps that pitcher for the next two seasons to alleviate some of the stress on these young pitchers is during the trade deadline and what about someone who perhaps you wouldn't have to send a prospect back because you'll be eating some money and that team may send you some money what about going for like a Zach Granke who even at 37 can probably give you at least a season and a half in another two seasons? I think that's something you consider. I think you're, you're still too early in, in the, in your uh, timeline to be moving prospects. However, I think with the money that's still owed to Zach Greinke by the Arizona Diamondbacks, he's still performing at a really high level, but because of that money, I don't think you'll have to give up one of your, beloved studs, a Luis Robert, a Nick Magical, somebody like that. I don't think you'll have to give a one of those guys. If you're willing to eat some of that money, if you tell the Dodgers, hey, we'll eat 70% of the money, 60% of the money, and we'll give you uh, Luis Basabe and... Jake Berger. (laughs) Right. Unfortunately, I don't think anybody will take Jake Berger right right now, coming off of two Achilles (laughs) tears. In which I feel him because I tore my Achilles too, and it's you know it's a hard injury to come back from, but it's it's possible. But I think if you if you throw in a mid tier prospect and eat some of the money, I think that's a deal that could you could get done at the deadline. What else could the Sox probably get for uh, Aaron Bummer, Jace Fry, or Lurie Garcia at the trade deadline before it commences? I think the best player to trade, if you're not going to trade Jose Abreu, which if I had to bet money on it, I'd say they will not ever, not even just this year. I think if you trade Colome, the next best person to, to look to trade is probably Aaron Bummer. Uh, left-hander has been throwing the ball really well this year. Has been one of the best left-handed relievers in the game and has been, been able to show the ability to get not only left-handers, but right-handers out as well. And if you look around the game, there's not a ton of guys that can do that. You know, usually you want your left-hander to go get out Cody Bellinger, get out Christian Yelich, get out Anthony Rizzo, and now you come out. But because he's shown the ability to get left-handers and right-handers out, I think that's a guy that you can get a decent prospect back for in return. Uh, I think Jace Fry is an interesting uh, player to bring up, only because... I feel like he's had a really rough stretches for the Sox this season. And I think while left-handers are really coveted, especially left-handers that can get those big left-handers, the Cody Bellinger, Yelich types out. If I'm a team that's been scouting the White Sox as a team, I'm more likely to trade for Bummer than for Jace Fry. I forgot about him. Uh, I think that's a guy that you probably want on your roster when you're contending. I think Leury Garcia is a winning baseball player. He can play on a winning team. He plays all these different positions. He can swing the bat. He can do all these things. He can run. I think Leury is a guy that could be a utility guy for you when you're winning ball games again and when you're winning a lot of ball games. Uh, but if, if a team comes to you and say, hey, we'll give you a decent prospect for Yuri Garcia, I guess that's that's a trade I'd be willing to make. Yeah, yeah, you do that in a second. Um, 
The Nets have went up down the first and third base line baselines and uh, on uh, at U- guarantee rate. We want to call it Comiskey, but guarantee rate. Have you heard of any other teams that's possibly going to do this within the season? And also, too, were a lot of other teams kind of caught off guard, or maybe even I would say, lapeeved that the White Sox did this so fast. Uh, the Sox are definitely the first team to do it. Uh, I believe the, the Washington Nationals are also doing it. Uh, and then the Texas Rangers announced that when their new ballpark opens in Dallas or in Arlington next year, they'll also have uh, nets going all the way to the South Pole. I think the biggest thing when you're thinking about what Major League Baseball and, and teams are trying to do is you you can't please everybody. But I think this is a situation where it's not about pleasing people. It's about doing what's right. And a lot of times, as y'all know, in sports, people lose sight of that. And I think you can't ask people to look at their phones and go to MLB at bat and go to this fan app and go to the White Sox app or the Cubs app and all these different things. Use your phone to try to win a little jackpot at the game. And then say, no, you need to be watching for foul balls coming at 112, 113 miles an hour, too. Like, you can't have it both ways. And I think adding the Nets is just takes the pressure off. You help fans not have to worry about that. There's a ton of little kids at the game, man. And I hate, I don't have kids yet. You know, I'm still pretty young in, in, that, in that regard. But, you know, I'd hate for my daughter or my son to be hit by a foul ball because they can't defend themselves. A five, six, seven-year-old, they can't defend themselves from foul ball, let alone the 40, 50-year-old people that can't defend themselves from a uh, foul ball coming at those speeds. So I think it's the right thing to do. It's sad that so many teams are so hesitant to to do it when it puts it, it takes their fans out of harm's way, and players don't want to see people get hurt. Like if you you guys remember when when Albert Almora Jr. hit that foul ball in Houston, he was very hurt by by striking that that young fan with with the ball. So nobody wants to go through that. And it just seems like the right thing to do. And hopefully more teams will start doing it as this year wraps up and, and hopefully next year. Yeah, I seen a lady uh, actually get hit uh, in a White Sox game alone. I was sitting along third third line, third baseline. And uh, yeah, it was not pretty to, pretty to see. But also, too, I'm kind of surprised that MLB just doesn't take it out of the team's hands and just mandate it to say you will put up nets. Because of the different ballparks and stuff like that, they can't just necessarily. I don't know. I think I would just take it. What do you say, Russ? I think a mandate would definitely be something that, yeah, just take it out of teams' hands and be like, hey, we want our fans to be safe. You're gonna do this. It's fine. You don't notice it. You didn't notice it when they extended them in the last couple of years. So just extending it all the way down, it'll be fine. Russ, we're going to get you out of here on this one. I know you was probably working, man, but did you make it down to Silver Room? We was all there, man. Were you at the block party? I did not, man. I did not. Oh. Here's the thing. It's actually funny. I was at the Cubs game, but my brother made it down there, and he said it was a good time. It was a great time. Look, next year, we got to meet you down there, man. Yeah, man. I mean, we got to meet you before then. Let me know. If if I'm not working, I'm down. I heard there was dirt there. And it was a good time. So, no, I definitely, that'd be definitely something I'd love to get to. Look, we'd love to meet you in person, man. Look forward to talking to you down the line. You have a good one. Thanks, Russ. Uh, 100%. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. No doubt. And that was Russell Dorsey, Chicago reporter for MLB.com. 
Follow Russ on Twitter at Russ underscore Dorsey one. All right, gonna come on back. Let's end this show out. D and Davis show. What's up, Chicago? This is Chris Sosa from Red Eye, and you're listening to the D and Davis show. D and Davis, the final hour of the show. We got a lot of topics to get into before we get up out of here. Uh, one is the NBA owners are meeting, and they might change free agency. People are upset. Uh, that people are concerned that they are tampering perhaps before the June 30th uh, tampering line at uh, 6 p.m. Seemed like a lot of these players got signed. I heard it was a, a, a lot of voices in the meeting led by Michael Jordan uh, speaking as the head of labor committee discussed the possible need to revisit free agency rules in the next collective, uh, collective bargaining uh, agreement. And something we talked about, a player we talked about early in the show, uh, Mark Lazary, co-owner of the Milwaukee Bucks, and this is from ESPN, spoke of his concerns of the gray areas of tampering rules. And it's a loss to no one that the, in the room that Milwaukee's player, Giannis Antetokounmpo, could be the most sought after star in free agency. So, of course, that's why the owner is sitting there worried about someone tampering mm-hmm. and stealing that player from up under him. Commissioner Adam Silver encouraged the open air grievances in Las Vegas. Sources said when it comes to when it comes to became clear during the two day meeting in the Wynn Hotel that frustrations were simmering uh, below the surface. There's been an intense sessions over the years hashing out revenue sharing rules. And this decade is uh, remembered as one of the spiciest. I like that spiciest. Uh, but this was not a routine summer agenda. In the midst of it, uh, Rick Buchanan, the NBA's longtime general counsel, issued an uh, even-handed but sobering message to the room and multiple sources. Buchanan told the governors that his partners, they were entitled to expect all teams to abide by a common set of enforceable rules for free agency, and that the league office would come back with a proposal for a revised set of rules that would then be strictly enforced. He asked the group if they were comfortable with the league uh, seizing uh, sever- I mean, uh, seizing servers and cell phones. A line that struck with many in attendance, according to the source uh, who recounted uh, the scene event. So the owners was like, yeah, we tired of this. We tired of this. Buchanan was like, we're going to take your service and cell phone. Whoa. <laughs> I don't know about you. <laughs> right? Like, I don't know about that. But uh, look, people are upset, especially small market teams, especially after what Kawhi and Paul George did, where Paul George's basically contract was written on toilet tissue. But what can they do? They really can't do anything. They tried to give them extra money. They tried to give them super max. These guys now, they want to go where they want to go. They're flexing their muscle, which they do, and they have it. They should do it. They tried to give them money and it didn't work. So these no, guys are going to where they want to go. They're taking shorter deals, able to re-up and recoup that money. I got so what you. can they I do? For you. And this is only women. No, stop. They can get them anyway. Yeah. That's what you think. The brothers in the NBA, you just give them some women and they're going to meet. And I'm joking. You know what you could do, and this is uh this is out there. What I'm about to say, man, look, you go to these guys, and you know you can look at the fact that uh, Kawhi, and we got the situation where uh, his uncle supposedly was uh, like a, a soccer player, like Nomar's uh, Neymar's father, out there looking for the, the rump shakers and all the money on the side. That was something that's been rumored about. I saw Stephen A. Smith talking about it. Some people said that he was asking for a sponsorship, right? Yeah, sponsorship stuff that they uh, owner cannot agree to. But uh, you can sit there and go to the collective bargain agreement and you can give them a very, very small, but we know how much that can be. You can give them an extremely small percentage of ownership. That's what I was just thinking. Because that way they would, you can tell a guy, look, dude, I'll give you 3%. You, Ooh, let's just, let's that's just, a lot. That's what I'm saying. This is what I'm, I was going to say one, but I'm, t- I'm saying is they, they get larger as, as they grow into it. You can sit there, go to your council, and it, even let's just say it's, it's five dudes that's owning a team. All right, we all give up a, a, a part of one percentage. All right, 
But yeah, you I, I get it. But your gate, you, think about if you if you can sit there as a business person and know that clearly there's no chance that Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to leave Milwaukee for the next 14 years. That three percent ain't shit. But this is the thing, though. Uh-huh. You give him that deal. He steps out. He has a major injury. Is never the same. What are you going to do? Take the three percent from him now? No, this is. Really, I know I ain't giving no, this it back. Would be the thing. He if he wouldn't get to the three percent, I would initially give you a percent, and it would increase through the time that you're there. I don't want to give you nothing. I'm sure. But this was the question was how do you keep your player there? So what are you going to do then? I don't think that's an option. I don't think. I don't think. I didn't say it was. I said it was out. I said it was out. Yeah, it's out, out there. That's so that, that. What are you going to do? Give me. I don't, I don't think there's anything you can do. I don't I mean, think there's anything you, you can do. You have squat to add to this segment. No. All right, as we continue. <laughs> no, no. I think I think what you're announcing, what you're, uh, what you would do is crazy, and the owners would never do it. I don't think I'll tell you why it's not crazy. But you can't say the owners would never do it. You know why? Why? Because a Polian gave Michael Jordan half of the team for nothing. Just so he could, but say, he was running the team, and then Michael Jordan no, said, no, no. "Bump this! I'm he good. I'm better than no, all of them. I'm gonna come back not, and play." That's not at all what happened. Okay, what happened? He gave Jordan that as an incentive for him to get with that team because everyone knew whatever owner brought Jordan in, Jordan was going to play again. That was the reason he gave him a free side of his team. It was not Jordan come run my team. It was Jordan come here. We know he's going to play again because one, that's in that's in the agreement. Is Jordan there now? What? Do you, no. no. But do you know why Jordan's not there now? Yeah, because he went and was like, hey, what the hell are you doing? This is some I'm out of here. It's not at all what happened. When Jordan came and decided to go back, Apollyon reneged and did not give him his halfback because a player can't hold on to his half when he's playing. So they had to collect your bargain saying I just said they that, would have to collect their yeah, bargain. Yeah, you have to collect your bargain to say that, okay, me the owner, I'm going to give you a piece of my franchise. It would be the rarest of play. Again, we're talking about only four, only three players would deserve it. And okay, some stupid owners would, some stupid owners would do it and sit there and one you can circumvent the cap too because think about this you're giving players a piece of something that they have to cash out later so, so ne- you don't have to necessarily go to the max with them if you're like here I'm giving you this so we can save this money it really comes back to when we sell the team I got 50% you got three we all making bread it ain't that big of a deal if I'm the most sought after free agent and it's not even let's say I'm not only even only team that can draft you could do this this can't be the Lakers can tell him like Think about it. This is set up for small markets to keep their players or teams that draft the players to keep their players. It'll be the same situation as bird rights. It'll be similar to that where it's cut out for team. Either you've been with this team and done a lot with that team or you were drafted by this team. That that would start a mutiny in professional sports, period. Mm. Because then every union... Every union is going to say that has a big time free agent, a Mike Trout or whoever it may be, uh, uh, Bryce Harper. You know what? We need to bargain for that. And now we want a part of a franchise. No owners is going to say, I'm going to give you a part of my franchise. It I don't care if you're LeBron James. It wouldn't work. I'll hey, tell you why I, hey, you know what? Let me give you some money. You can get it. When Chris Rock say, I'm going to give you some money because you can get a bouncy car. You know what? How about work? that? You know what? I wouldn't work. They spinning. They spinning. They spinning. <laughs> no. No, listen. Do you know what? You know <laughs> no. what? That's not true. Why well, ain't true? Because it hasn't NFL, happened yet. Let me finish. Are right. NFL contracts guaranteed? No. You think they haven't been? So you just said that if you did it, then that would mean every other league would have to do it. No, I'm just saying MLB it, it contracts would start, are guaranteed. That would be MLB a slippery slope. No, just wait. Yeah, guaranteed yeah. contracts are a slippery slope. MLB, NFL, I mean, NBA contracts are guaranteed. NFL yes. still isn't. It depends NHL on the power is. of your union. Yeah, true. That dictates that. So again, and we're not even, and think about it. We're not, 
only only team that has an issue that we're, we're bringing this up is the NBA. Baseball players go where the money is in baseball. Football players go where the money is in football. The NBA is out of the only big three is the only team that players turn down significant money because of their endorsement deals and what they do and go where they want to go. Everyone else goes to whoever puts the biggest contract out. That's true. I mean, but but we're talking about like. The rays of air when the NF when the NBA players in rays of air and NBA players they're the ones who typically dictate where they're going to go. Anybody else like man, listen, I'm looking for a contract. I'm looking for the best opportunity for me. I'm going to go there. That's typically Case that is most athletes. What would be point. your qualifications? I was just going to say it would be basically the LeBron same. LeBron James, the basic, yeah, good one. It'd be the, <laughs> the same only one thing. though. No, no, but it'd be the same. It'd be similar to this. It'd be set up how we come to find out. The CP3 took over the players' union and basically set it up so him and LeBron James could only get these contracts that they they just received, right? And it'd be in a similar vein. You'd be set up to where the rare. It'd also be incentive for players to stay with their team if that's what they value, so that they can sit there and grow and be part of the team. And this really applies to the NBA because players are mo- top tier players are moving regardless of the amount of money they're leaving. Okay, you said this would be kind of like a layered thing. You break this down to me. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm Generation X player, right? Mm-hmm. And Kenneth Davis owns a very small market team, right? He says that he has this contract where I could potentially get part of the uh, ownership. Explain to me how this is going to work? You sell me. I'm the I'm the I'm the player. You tell me how is this contract going to work when it's going to level up to me being a co-owner of this franchise? Well, you're not really co. You got your few percent. Okay, percentage, whatever. But, I'm, a, I mean, I'm an I'm, owner of but, a franchise. But, but what it basically is, I'm giving you. And again, it wouldn't be just player on small market team. It had to be a great player on small market team. I will say. Okay, this. I'm I'm a great player. If if small market said small market team wants to make a mistake and give it to a player that may not be to the standard which I'm setting, or maybe a fan favorite, and they're looking as a way to circumvent the cap, but to keep him because hey, we're gonna pay you uh, out of a four year five year deal. We're gonna give you. 10, 15 million less so we can go out. But if I give you a percentage of this team, that's basically a hundred, hundred, could be a hundred to $300 million right there. Like that's a vast difference in this situation, but it'll be off of how many years you've been in the league. Just like, what is it? Just like the same thing I kept saying with when we kept, we kept talking about, yeah, with uh, Kawhi. And I was like, his deal's going to be set up so he can get to his 10 years. Mm-hmm. He did, Any player that leaves that amount of money is going to have options to get that money, try to recoup majority of that money. So it's going to be set up on your 10 years rule and, and and basically go from there. We already know rookies have to or first uh, first contract players have to sign their second deal because that's their first big money coming off of a tiered rookie salary cap. Right. So I'm, and again, I'm saying it's crazy, but I'm coming up with something to help the NBA in a situation where players only want to play in three markets. What if it's a, a piece of like sponsorship, like what they make off of like marketing for off the, gate, of, off the gate? It's a lot of tampering and stuff that because then what if the like then you get into a situation? What if I got Nike as a sponsor? You know, like what if I have a sponsor? I it's like, sponsors. Yeah, but I'm saying, what, what if it's, a, it's like a booster situation in college to where the, it's better if it's coming from the owner. But if you're involved in a, the sponsor, it could be a slippery slope. Also, when you're involved, well, I'm saying let's say it's the team's apparel of you. Uh-huh. They get a certain they percentage of that. that. Well, let's say a bigger percentage or a bigger that, be, that, that can be worked out that from the, the uh, collective okay. the CBA. Yeah, That's the players union. Yeah. That comes through the league and the players union. Okay. So that would that that would be different. But again, as long as it's through the owner, you're not running into a situation. Because let's just say if you say like a sponsor, 
that could be the you could be in the same situation. What do we hear about New Balance? New Balance was like people in Canada don't wear New Balance. Kawhi, if you go to L.A., we're gonna give you more money. That's what we kept hearing. Mm-hmm. So you that wouldn't help if my sponsor is like, hey, we cool with you, but we really make a killing if we go over here, and that's why you wouldn't want to have a sponsor involved in that because they may have ulterior motives. I just I I just don't see how they can stop these guys from going from where they want to go, take these shorter contracts, get to the ten year. Uh, limit which which that can be negotiated and changed within the collective bargaining agreement I just don't see how it's going to change really I mean I think this one thing about the genie is out of the bottle like you have the super teams but now it's kind of like retro now you have just two guys I know people want to try to get the third guy but now it's at least for this season it seems like the big two the way it used to be but yeah, man, I think I think these guys understand their power, and it's the one fr- it's the one league where so few players, and one or two players hold so much power when it comes to a particular franchise. It's that's it's just gonna be hard. Zion signed his shoe deal, going back and forth with Mel- Melvin Taylor, Harlem radio host, Melvin, our boy, uh, getting on Zion for shining, signing with Jordan Brand. Uh, and I was like, I don't understand what you thought this dude was gonna do. I put up some some S. Doc Carters because he was like, he should have went with Jay Z because Jay Z is Puma's biggest person. I'm like, what young person is like, I want to wear Jay Z shoes? Like, who is like, man, you see them new S. Dots? Wait a minute, who signed with Puma though? Didn't Puma get a, like, quite a few people? Man, they ain't got who did he get? No, they did get somebody, didn't they? They got they what, did. They got Andre Aiden. Oh yeah, that's right. Like yeah, they like I don't maybe got, Marvin Bagley too. Who they got a few rookies. That's what it was. They got some rookies. That's what, that's what it was. Like, yeah, they got some rookies. Yeah, they, none of them are on the tier of Zion. And don't forget, Zion's shoe blew out, and he still went to Nike to let you know he was like, I'm not playing with my career with no Under Armors. I put up those those Steph Grandpa Elevens. Like nobody wants to put. But those he's brand. On. But he's brand Jordan, right? Yeah. See the thing for thing for me when it comes to players. You had a thick Jordan Jumpman on there with them that thighs, <laughs> Not even, like them old Air Jordan jackets that was folded. Oh my god, those thighs was like Serena Williams. <laughs> that's, like, that's, that's, the science is out. Who is thick thighs? Who them thighs? <laughs> no, it's it's something to me when you have to go to a, somebody else's brand. I can understand because you don't own the actual manufacturer, the the actual the actual brand. You go to Jordan. Jordan doesn't own Nike. Jordan has a subsidiary of. He's a subsidiary of Nike, and then you go to the subsidiary. If if he was that big a time of a dude, just go sign. Just sign with Nike. But you know this probably sign with Adidas. But see, this is probably an idea through Nike and Jordan. Oh yeah, I'm sure it was. So, but also he's from Carolina too. Yeah, Yeah. this could be uh, South Carolina. South Carolina, right? But this could be the this could be the person that perhaps Mike could start really transitioning. The popularity because the retros are still was selling, but to, they need someone that's hot to stoke the flames from that. Uh, boxer uh, Dadashev dies from Friday uh, fight injuries. Uh, Maxim Dadashev died Tuesday morning. It's from ESPN. I saw this earlier. As a result of brain injuries suffered during the 11th round knockout loss to uh, Sabriel Matiatis uh, on Friday night at MGM uh, National Harbor. Um, I saw uh, Buddy McGirt, and it's funny. I was thinking, like, damn, where is Buddy McGirt? I was talking to a friend of mine. Not about, Dirt McGirt. No, Buddy McGirt. Okay. I saw Buddy McGirt, and he was uh, he was sitting there, and he was coaching this player, and he told him, I got to pull you out. And I just saw the round before. And, dude, he wasn't getting – I mean, he still was alert, but he was getting hit. It wasn't, like, crazy, but it was crazy. From, like, his, his guard was up, but dude was getting through his guard. 
And um, I'm like, damn, this, I was talking my head like, they may need to call this. When, I uh-huh. mean, this had already happened as far as this young man's tragic death. And um, that they showed Buddy McGirt telling him, I got to stop the fight. Let me stop the fight. You're getting hit too much. Let me, please, let me stop the fight. And he stopped it in the 11th. But uh, with something in the sport that I love, it's just tragic to see that. And this is just the truth of boxing and MMA. Because I watched some MMA this weekend. And MMA is, is really tight. It's graphic as you know what. I mean, the blood, the amount of both of them have blood, but I saw two MA fights that ended in like 30 seconds. And I'm like, damn. And one of one of them was I saw Greg Hardy. This dude said oh, I haven't this, seen him fight yet. Man. Greg Hardy, first of all, is in his is in his proper place. And he's undefeated, right? Is he? I don't think, I think so. he is. I don't think so. Maybe not. But he's he hasn't really fought. I don't think so, but I, he hasn't fought. Oh, you know what? I take that back. Yeah. He is definitely either drawn or been yeah, defeated. I'm, and again, undefeated isn't the same in MMA because anybody can, I mean in in, in, sport, in these uh combat sports, anybody can knock down. In MMA, anybody can get knocked out. Is he UFC though? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, he was he was sitting there and he's taking on this guy who was talking he's a lot of crap five, about one him. And, and um, he was talking to this guy that was talking a lot of crap about him. And he sat there and the dude tried to uh, the dude tried he went high and tried to sit there and wrestle him because everyone since he's a football player and he's more of a striker wants to get him on the mat. And the dude went low and he was high and I was looking I was like that dude a little bit too high and I'm not the MMA dude I'm much better with my boxing. But uh, man, Greg Hardy started to pummel. He got him. He 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 pushed him off. His defense was great. He jumped. He got flat and low quick instead of letting dude pull him, uh, grab his leg like that. He started to just clobber him with one fist to the side of his head for thirty times. I'm not even exaggerating. And I'm like, when are they stopping this? Because dude, you're waiting to see if this dude can do anything. And clearly he can't. He has it on right now. Clearly the gentleman couldn't. And um, I don't know this was the one. This wasn't the fight. Okay, it was a this is a, a Greg Hardy fight. It was like a Brazilian looking cat. He wasn't Brazilian. but uh, It was against Juan Adams. Yeah, but uh, Greg Hardy, man, it, it was it was something. And I saw... Oh, um, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my goodness. I saw another fight where my man jumped out. They they, they, they broke. As soon as this fight started, he need this dude. He missed his head, but he need him in the shoulder and then he just caught him with a right and dude listen the dude I'm pretty sure blew his ACL out because he dropped how he dropped it's like that dude dropped he almost blew his ACL out he this dude dropped worse than that uh but again uh the uh Dadashev, we definitely uh wishing your family the best your wife his he just yeah he fought, got, got his green card just got his was gonna get his I think he either got it was going to get his green card sat there and uh tragically died and he's young and it's just sad 28, 28 years old 28, 28 years old yep. years old um i mean this is the the risk that you take yep. playing a combat sport true and i think a lot of people will look at me like man uh that's sad but they're not going to do anything as far as you know, I'm, I'm going to stop watching this or anything with the fire when it comes to the pocketbook. We are looking at modern day gladiators. And it was crazy. They have a video of Greg Hardy up on his, where he just had a fight and he got straight cowboy stuff. But I mean, yeah, representing the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> I, mean, but I mean, unfortunately, Big D. I know it's not the same, but I mean, people work in coal mines. Like, once you start that job, you're shortening your life. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And so, I mean, people work on electric lines. I mean, people, people are. It's risky so- jobs out there. People are soldiers, people are cops. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, it, it's yeah, yeah. one of those things, unfortunately, it comes along with that. Uh, so, but anyway, it's tragic. And it's just but so- the one thing I will say about UFC, though, at least you have a chance. Well, not a chance. I would think there's probably a lower rate of a future CTE. When it comes to MMA, because there's more grappling, there's more 
holding this technical uh, taekwondo or wrestling things of that nature. Boxing is just your it's your body, but it's majority your head. You're you're along the lines, but that's not why. Okay, what's why? What do you think? The MMA has less issues with CTs because one, it's only three rounds, and it can end very quickly. That's the thing. That's those are the things that it's it's less repetitive hits. Yeah, Yeah. it's only three rounds, and that it's so it's easier for the the matches to end compared to boxing where it could go ten to twelve. Right. Then to your point, you're getting yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't. Oh, it's very rare you see a a, a continuous punches to the head. That's only means that you're down, and then they're going to stop the fight. You might get only three shots to the head, and the ref is going to stop. To fight anyway, MMA. I, I saw Teddy UFC Atlas talking about this on ESPN, and he was saying that you know this is why I get mad when the refs and the, the powers that be the judges basically cheat fighters out of victories because they stop them too fast. No, ask Ray Flores about this. No, it's, it's because what happens is mm-hmm. a guy that's on his way up or up, and you cheat him of a win. He has to go back, and then he may have to fight three more unnecessary fights, and those are three more poundings oh, that he has yeah. to take in those situations. That's that true. If everything was up and up, it wouldn't be like that. And that's just a small sample size of it. Going along with uh, terrible news, but it's not as bad as that. Uh, Adrian Peterson is in debt because he trusted mm-hmm. the wrong people. Whoa, I didn't hear about this. Yeah. Yeah. Broke today, I believe. Uh, He's broke, broke. No, he just said that news broke. <laughs> yeah, the news broke. Uh, I'm saying though, he is in debt though. Washington running back Adrian Peterson oh, was wow. trusting the wrong people. His attorney said, and is in deep debt after making mm. nearly a hundred million during his NFL career. That's a running back made, and that's probably just player contract, yeah. not sponsorship. They said during his NFL career, they would have mentioned if it was outside. They're just telling us player contract money, right? Pearson is being sued for failing to repay $5.2 million loan. The Athletic reported, according oh, to the Athletic, no. Pearson owes an interest and legal fee $6.6 million uh, to D'Angelo Vehicle Sales, which claimed in a lawsuit filed in New York that Peterson has defaulted on his loan. Peterson had borrowed money uh, from the lending company to pay off other creditors. He must also pay a combined $3 million uh, to two other creditors. The truth behind Adrian Peterson's current financial situation is more than it being reported at the time, Peterson's attorney, Chase Carlson, said Tuesday in a statement. Because of ongoing legal matters, I am unable to go into detail, but I will say that it's yet another situation of an athlete uh, trusting the wrong people and being taken advantage of by those he trusted. Adrian and his family are looking forward to starting uh, to share further details when when it's appropriate. This is the best thing that you can do. I don't care if you're an athlete. I don't care if you're a clerk at a retail shop, if it's possible for you to do more so for the latter. When you get some money, put it in the bank. Don't touch it. Yep. Leave off your endorsement money. Don't like touch Rob, it. Rob uh, Kongra- uh, Gronkowski. Gronkowski. Gronkowski lived off his money. I saw the dude uh, from uh, Power. The young gentleman, uh, one of the, the plays like the son or something. I forget who he plays on that, but he was talking about how when he he got like five power five years of power checks and his father put all that money up. Yeah, and his his father told him go live off of your appearance money. So that means you got to get more appearances and get out there. But he's like the only time he's touched that money, he's bought a house. He said that's the only time I've touched that money. Don't touch that money. Get your money and put it up. Listen, I was I was listening to a I think it might have been on NPR years ago. And they was talking about how athletes go broke. And they were saying five years after. Five years after. Mm-hmm. And they were saying divorce. Even if you they didn't even bring up divorce. They said, yeah, it's divorce. It's, it's oh, and divorce is part money of it. Money and divorce. And divorce. Yes, that is part of it. But they said, even if they said, even if you only play in a particular league for a minimum of three to four years, based on the the minimum salary, you should probably make about five million dollars. 
right? Just off of that and saving like some of it, because you got to worry about taking half of it. That's that's Uncle Sam. Agent. You have your agents and things like that. Just to save you out of your five million, you had a million. If you put up even half of that, it's something. Don't put the money away and just put it away somewhere that you won't even know about. So if you do come across this, you have to file for bankruptcy, whatever the case may be, you still have some cash. Is too many times we hear about this too much when it comes to athletes. What was the thirty for thirty that was uh that came out like one of their first thirty for thirties going broke or something like that? Mm-hmm. Horror stories, financial horror stories that led to all kind of things that these men and probably women go through because they're not financially sound. And is <laughs> this is going to sound really bad? Predominantly, predominantly, a lot of these athletes are African Americans, and unfortunately, financial literacy has been stripped from us for for a good portion of our stay here in uh, in America. You said stay, yeah, I stay because I think one, I think we might just leave. Um, uh, <laughs> no, but for our existence here in America, it has been stripped from us. The education is in there, and that's a then that rolls away through generations. Also, since and you families don't have, don't have with that money, how are you going to teach someone about money? And also, too, you have people who have big hearts and want to then going to turn around and then take care of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And and truthfully, I mean, it's nothing better than taking care of your people. But Stop there's when a, you're going broke. But not when you're going broke. We all out here on the streets. I'd rather be like, I'm still in a big house. Yeah. Or a, or a house. You want to come stay in here for a little while? Then you got to get back on them streets. Live within your means. But a lot of that stuff isn't financially. Uh, it, isn't, it isn't passed down from generation to generation to generation. It was, um, oh, man, someone. I think it was um, it was in, it was in the NBA. And it might have been Cal Corver. And it was one of his teammates, and he was saying like how he had to take care of his parents. And Cal Corver, I, I think I'm right about this. This is say ex-white player, and he was like, "What do you mean you have to pay, take care of your parents? Like, what do you mean they have the money? What?" It was like a gener- It was like a not generational thing. It was a cultural racial thing. So a lot of these things I kind of factor in when you do hear these stories. And unfortunately, it's a lot of African American athletes that have this story. Got a quick one for you guys. Since we talked about Derek Fisher over the weekend, <clears throat> do you guys see the story about him and Derek Fisher, Matt Barnes? No, what happened? He gets to another fight. Well, Matt Barnes is trying to lower his payments that he gives to his ex-wife Gloria Govan, who is the fiance of Derek Fisher. Yes, and yes. he's trying to lower his monthly payments of child support from twenty thousand to one thousand. Damn! Based on Derek Fisher being together with Gloria, so oh. they're about to go into the courts. Oh, he got other. money. You with him now? So you? That's having- what. That's what Matt Barnes is saying. Mm. Them your kids. <laughs> you left me. I saw the car going away. You take care. You tell that. To take care of your ass. It's a dude, I forget. <laughs> wow. Is it child support or alimony? You know, dude. Child support, I believe. You know, dude. Oh, well, you got to take care of your kids. I wonder how many kids they got together. I think two. Two? Yeah, they was like, man, daddy, this man over here, Matt Barnes, I think he drove from like Malibu to Calabasas on that ass. <laughs> like, for real, I'm not even lying. He was like, daddy, that man back up in here. <laughs> what man? The one that took the shot with. <laughs> I love Matt Barnes for doing that. Like, you want to do that, man? Put that on. Put that on that man with his coaching contract. 
And then he still got a divorce. He had a divorce settlement. So think about it. He most of uh, the money that uh, depended on, and that was I would think he got married. Man, he may have got married in college, but maybe he was married in L.A. But uh, Derek Fisher, all that money he made, he he got a divorce. What in the last five years? I was something. Like yeah, yeah. So because remember the Utah thing, he was still married yeah. when yeah, he got out of that yeah. one. So yeah. what's the Sparks pan? About five bucks. And he can get all the, the uh, rum he can get his hands on out the Did back. Did you say rum? Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Jim Buss. He got, he gets to go with Jim Buss stash. There's Wait, Derek Fisher like, again. Jim back there with that horse, man. He'd be like, nah, man, I got to go back and get my rum before I get up out of here. That's he's, how they paid me. He said rum. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Rum. They pay this the for- L.A. Rum Runners. They pay this motherfucking fifths. God damn. <laughs> Great week. Forget about it. <laughs> Drink your pains away. He'd be like, man, Candace <laughs> up tonight. All right. I know this isn't the show. I mean, <laughs> sure isn't. I mean, bleep it out. Bleep it yeah. all out. All right. Hey, he's crying uh, over here. Oh, my God. <laughs> he just tickles himself. Just, just tickles himself, doesn't he, Ryan? Just tickles himself. <laughs> Hey, uh, I'm blinded by the light reflecting off the tears. <laughs> God, speaking of looking good, real quick, the director, the the brother that's uh been uh, uh, talking about uh, Eddie Murphy's wife. Yeah. Oh yeah. How stupid are you to be going around smooching Eddie Murphy's ex-wife? She is a, a, a tabloid queen, and you you got um Lila Rashawn. Lila Rashawn at home. Sunshine, Lila Rashawn. No, it's not. But still, though, that's your old lady. And you going out smooching Nicole Murphy in public? I don't he married. Care. He was looking for Lila Rashawn, and then he uh, just didn't care. And Nicole Murphy is, is looking closer to that. I, don't, I mean, some people <laughs> he they, just don't care. It, Either he dumbing in a shoestring, or he just like I don't care no more. Or their marriage is over, or they have an open marriage. I mean, I guess those are options option C and option D, but I don't know, brother. You just don't be stupid out there just smooching up. I was flipping out the bag. You just don't be out there smooching up like that, though. Come on, brother. Keep it in that. Keep it in the closet. Keep it in the closet. What did Michael Jackson say? What's that song about that? Keep it in the closet. Keep your relationship and everything like that in the closet. And you kiss Nicole Murphy. <laughs> Don't do it on the lips. Ooh, you <laughs> With cameras clicking. I know, right? What about sunshine? And, the, and Europe. Just say you're just friends. Europe. Uh, well, he was saying like, oh, we was just old friends. And it's like, <laughs> smooch on the lips one, smooch on the lips two. Well, y'all some, y'all some friends. We're in Europe. Europe. Yeah, we're in Europe. That's how you do it. No, brother. And Europe paparazzi is the worst. They are the worst. They are looking at every Trying corner. to get that American money. Yeah, man. What are you doing, man? I always greet my, my female friends with open mouth kisses. Mwah, how you doing, baby? Like, ooh, you got a root canal. It's like Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was a great episode. Oh, man. But no, nah, man. She, he's, a, he's a dummy. He is a class A, which I would say back in the day, uh, Ryan had a segment on the show who was down at school, Meatball of the Week. Mm. He would have been Meatball of the Week. You, sir, are a meatball. I don't know, man. If he don't get in trouble for me, what? No, man. Points? I think he got in trouble because I from 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 you know, other celebrities. Uh, her friends were on threads on Twitter, like, "Oh, you done effed up." So if our girls is coming for you on Twitter, nah, I the think you're gonna come for you anyway. If you, but if, no, if you got you a, if you like, got a relationship, know the truth. But if you got the relationship, I would. I don't know. Y'all maybe, don't. maybe, 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 you know, maybe they know. 
Hey, check us out on Twitter and Instagram at D and David Show. It's once again, it's at D and David Show. iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Music, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, YouTube, War on Anchor, which kicks you over to Spotify. We on Facebook.com as well. Facebook.com forward slash D and David Show. I'm on Twitter at Demons One. Ken's on Twitter at That's Davis. Ryan's on Twitter at Ryan B. Ski. And uh, guy was this guy. Hey man, pay the guy though. And shout out to you know what? Hey, remember too. Uh, I don't know, guy. You want to give your shout out to your to your. Maybe future missus? I don't know. Your, your lady? She's a singer, songwriter, Kayla. Is that say the name? Kalia X. Uh, she's a singer, songwriter, so come check her out, man. Go check her out. God, come back. No, her music. I'm talking about her music, she man. She ain't like man, nice. you know Shaka. Shaka <laughs> came. Oh, oh, oh. oh no, Shaka not Shaka. Gonna, Shaka gonna ride his bike out there to HL. <laughs> <laughs> I heard you talking to guy. Yeah, Shaka, that's for you. <laughs> Shout out to Shaka. That's our guy. <laughs> Damn, I'm, a, I'm running that bike with the A group now, baby girl. I know he young, but he ain't like this. Show you my sketchbook. <laughs> All right. Damn. Uh, he took a shot at me today. <laughs> and it was for Ryan. He was like, can't stop with Captain America. I was like, I don't even pick the topics really anymore. <laughs> it's like Ryan picks the topics, basically. Oh, man. We want to thank Lester A. Wilkfong from... Uh, the editor-in-chief of Winnie City Gridiron. And also, please check out the uh, T-Formation conversation. Yes. They're going to be doing a lot. He's going to be in Bourbon A, so he told you they're going to have the house. So make sure y'all rock. Ah, Yo, check out those guys and uh, go along with everything that's going on with Winnie City Gridiron. Everyone that we know from there has definitely basically been dope with us. Uh, definitely want to shout out to Russell Dorsey uh, from the MLB. Great having that brother on. Look forward to having him on in the future. Uh, gave us a lot of information on both sides of the town. As the trade deadline commences and also we get into getting closer to to the end of the season we definitely have to have him back on uh, we will be giving you a flip Tony will be back this week oh, wow wow really that today oh, Tony good. will be back guy are you gonna come in for Saturday well I bet you would <laughs> we want to get you on mic guy it's time Mike ain't um, uh, guy ain't gonna say too much on the mic yeah we gotta get 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 that out if you listen guy if your woman gonna be a star you're gonna have to come out from me and guy basically did a show together and I was talking to guy guy was just giving him a nod like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. like mm-hmm. okay my like, God damn it, guy! More butter, mm-hmm. More pancakes, mm-hmm. More butter, more. No, guy, remind me when he was doing the show. What was the uh the the skit on SNL? Uh, when they um Ken uh, not Ken Ken Thompson would be uh he would be like the church uh the guy uh and he all be singing and his guy was this white guy but the white guy never said anything he always be sitting there he just kind of give him a shoulder stroke. That was my that was that was guy that was me and that was me and guy on our uh, solo show. But it was good, though. It came out good, though. Shout out to Guy. All okay. Right. Don't do anything stupid before you hear from us again. Keep your hands to yourself.